old childers. Three to the two, and then two comes after one. <laughs> And welcome to Burbank and Garrison. And welcome to a short notice podcast. <laughs> I don't hey even guys. know if this is a podcast. What, what is this? Really. This it's is an what? improv? Yeah, I think Nanny's going to interview us, ask us questions. Mm. So I think that the idea came to me because I was like, whenever we have a guest on this show, we interview them from like their start of their life to where they are now and i was like you know what our viewers and our listeners have never got that from burbeck and garrettson i think they've gotten some snapshots right yeah a little bit yeah. we've we tried bit. to break it down a little bit but not much i mean they don't really maybe know you we guys could get a little bit more into it yeah. you guys yeah. want to get intimate with me and jay yeah yeah, it'll be fun. So before we start, they don't know the questions, and if there are any questions I ask that you don't want to answer, you can just answer by saying you don't want to answer. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. This I'm is going to be a quick interview. I'm, <laughs> I'm comfortable with saying I don't want to answer that. Okay, I just want to let you guys know you can say no. Like, that is, it is okay here. This is a safe spot. No, no means no. No means no. Here. This is a safe space. Are we in, are we in the am, tree of trust? Yeah, I am gonna like once you guys say no, I'll re-ask the question, but I'll yeah, ask but in a, a different, different way. way. Get, yeah. get oh, a little yeah. bit more aggressive yeah. and a little bit more assertive, and just kind of ignore the no. Yeah, that's what I was planning on doing. <laughs> okay, um, so I want to start before you guys were even born. Fuck. <laughs> 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 no, I'm serious. Before you guys even existed, you guys were not even a thought yet. So. I want to know about your guys' parents' life. What was your mom? We could start with your guys' moms. What was Sauce been a thought his whole life. <laughs> what was your guys' mom's life like? Like they're raising and they're growing up. Sauce, would you like to take that one? Yeah. Um, so my mom, my mom was born in Japan. I think that's dope. Yeah. Uh, it was I think it was just after uh, OWW2. And um, uh, her mom got pregnant by a, by a, th this is the story I was told that she was uh, got pregnant by a uh, a guy that um, I, th I think he worked for something like Stars and Stripes or one of those type of news. Um, it, he 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 rolled around with the um, with the the units or whatever they're called, the troops, and he would uh, record shit, take pictures, and all that. And uh, I I guess he was uh, killed in action. And so um, she eventually hooked up with this man, which became her stepfather. And um, he was a very strict, uh, strict man. He uh, he wasn't a very nice man, and uh, he wasn't very nice to me anyway. And I don't think he was very nice to my my mom. He was really strict. I, 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 he I, was military. Yeah, he was an army guy, I believe. He was in the army, and. Uh, he wasn't. Uh, he was very strict. He was from uh, Washington, and uh, and I remember uh, Washington State. Yeah, Washington State. And I remember when um, when my mom had got with my dad and uh, had my, she had my brother and and, and me. Uh, he wasn't. He he. Uh, I don't think he liked my father. And uh, well, in fact, I know he didn't like my father, and so he kind of took that out on me because I look a lot like my father and. You're saying he didn't like your father because he was not um, Japanese? 
yeah, as weird as that sounds, but because my brother, my brother looks more, uh, he's, he's, a, he's darker skinned than me. He has, uh, my brother looks almost Hispanic to tell you the truth, but he had the darker feature. He was a beautiful, my, my brother was a beautiful baby. And, um, I look like my dad, and so I think I uh, I wait, caught a wait, lot of wait, that. wait. We're not on you yet. This is before you were born. Oh, okay. Yeah, no. And so, so my mom, she was also a military brat. So, they they uh, they left Japan and they they traveled around, you know, to different. I know she lived in like Albuquerque, New Mexico. Uh, she ended up somehow in uh, Portland, not Portland, um, Port Towns in Washington, the the town that he was from in Washington, and. They landed in Alameda. I, I I don't know, but I know she was a military brat, and they they traveled around uh, through her 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 growing up. But yeah. Okay, so pretty. I mean, not normal because mil- traveling in the military is a little harder. Yeah, but and like I said, dude was pretty. Uh, he was pretty strict. So uh, I think that was the uh, the the cause of my mom. Like I I believe my mom left home uh, shortly after graduation. Was, school was it only her? No, yeah, no my, my mom was the only child. Yeah. Wow, I didn't know that. And yeah. then, how did she meet your dad? <laughs> my father, my father was an AC Transit bus driver, and um, they met. I guess she took the, the bus, and then she ended up working for my father as uh, my 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 father w- was married, a couple of times. To, I think this was his second wife he was married to at the time, and uh. Uh, they were going through problems, and but, but he he became he became my mom became my dad's nanny because he was going through a divorce with his second wife, and uh, <laughs> I guess so he hired her as the nanny. He wanted her around. <laughs> so one thing led to another, whatever, whatever, and after the divorce or whatever, him and my mom, you know, got married and had kids. What about you, Jay? What were their upbringings like? Um, your mom's she grew up in crockett she was one of six wow yeah yeah um three girls three boys and she came from a, a normal family like they i don't so my mom's father committed suicide when she was young (laughs) well that's not very normal jay well i didn't mean to follow that up with that but i meant like when I guess I compare a lot of shit to like criminal stuff, they wasn't around stuff like that. They were normal in that sense. Okay. I think you know. I think they were into um, school. They were smart. Like some of her siblings were extremely smart people. Like everything was normal besides. The yeah, and I think that that definitely had like impacted her. You know, later in life and being so young and losing her dad. Um, but her mom was in the picture for a long yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. But her mom, it was the the weirdest thing to me. Like, my grandma was kind of strange to me. She was nice. Like, don't get me wrong. She, uh, I, I don't know. She was nice to some of the grandkids. She had, like, her favorites and, and was, like, obvious about it. She liked me. She liked my sister. I'm not sure if she was too fond of Maddie Boy. I think he, he might have reminded her too much of my dad. She wasn't fond of my dad. Um, 
So her upbringing was normal. Uh, yeah, you know, they were, uh, I, I think they didn't have a lot of money once her dad passed away. It was like, you know, my grandma was six kids. I don't think they, you know, yeah. I think they kind of, that was hard. But like the my whole memory of, of like my grandma was just, she was like this hermit kind of hypochondriac. She always thought something was wrong with her. Like she was dying the whole time I knew her and she <laughs> lived to be, <laughs> she lived to be hella old. She's 106. Nah, she was, I, I think in her eighties maybe. It's a good long life. Yeah. And she was sharp up until, you know, the last couple of years. Like she, everything was there, man. She was a, a smart lady. I'm sure they got some of that, um, like intelligence from her, but yeah, so she was one of six. They grew up in Crockett. You know, they didn't have a lot, I don't think. But for the most part, as far as, like, uh, like a family goes, I don't think they were into anything crazy. Right. You know, like and then illegal activities and shit like that. Right. And then what about your guys' dads? My dad, uh, my dad grew up in, uh, in North Carolina, and uh, they, were, uh, they were pretty poor white people and uh i remember him saying that uh, the house the family house that he lived in used to be ex-slave quarters where wherever they they the the slaves slept uh -huh. my, my dad was born in 1927 damn yeah and so his house was the ex-slave quarters and they were dirt floor poor you know what i mean they didn't even have a they had dirt inside their fucking house yeah. And so he uh, he married a woman and um, he had a couple girls, um, one of which died. Um, she uh, she choked to death on a crayon, a crayon. Uh, she was eating peanuts out of her out of her dress pocket. I believe she was wearing like one of those like little house on the prairie type dresses. Mm -hmm. And she was eating peanuts out of the pocket. And I guess there was a crayon, a piece of a crayon in there. And she uh she ended up choking to death, and my dad, uh, my dad tried to save her, and he couldn't save her, and uh, I, that that affected my father his whole life, especially like, um, I guess either it happened around Christmas or her birthday was around Christmas, and so my dad didn't really care for Christmas; he was just kind of yeah. there. But uh, and then um, <laughs> so he uh. He was trying to get away from this was his uh his first wife and uh he was uh trying to get away from he he no he he had uh he did a tour in the army but there wasn't a war on at the time and then uh when he he did his uh after after he did his tour he, he goes back home i guess he he had problems with his wife and then so he uh he joined the navy and and said get me as far away from north carolina <laughs> as you can and he ended up on the west coast he ended up in uh in fucking california and uh that's where he met my mom but uh he did my dad actually did uh he did he did four years in the army and he did uh two two stints of world war ii both in the navy he was uh on once he was on a, a oil a oil carrier you know they fueled yeah. ships and he was also on a uh, where the planes take off, land on the ships. He was on one of those yeah. two aircraft carrier. Yeah, and but he, you know, back then, like everybody now, is a fucking war hero. Today, everybody talks, you know, they're a war hero, and 
PTSD and all this stuff. My dad never talked about the fucking war. He did two tours, and the only people he talked to about the war was his his buddies that were also in the war. He did, you know, you'd you'd ask my dad something about fucking the war or the military, and he was very short with it. But uh, and he was a he was a very rough man. He was uh he was an alcoholic, uh, very rough man, very uh. He looked like Popeye the Sailor Man. Mm-hmm. He had big forearms. He was he was well built. He was a uh, he was a uh, he was a hard man, but uh, he was a good dad. I thought for the most he was uh, you know alcoholic and abusive at times. But but his childhood was yeah. Like so I could just and then he I could just imagine right. you know how our upbringing. He was pretty hard on us. Um. So I could just imagine how his how his upbringing must have right. been. So. He was a good man, though. All right, Jay. And then how was your dad's childhood or upbringing? <coughs> um, it wasn't good. He he came from, like, rough uh, a rough childhood. So um, I don't know a, a whole lot about my grandparents. I, I, I do know my grandfather came over from Ireland, um, but he was young when he came over from Ireland. So I don't know a, a whole lot about his story i wish i knew more and my grandma i'm I'm just kind of assuming my grandma was just like a bay area lady um but so yeah my my dad came from just shit like there there's a um there was an article that was written in like the san francisco times or some shit like that basically where my grandma had like just left her kids at the house to um I, I don't know what the fuck she she went and hit like some bars or whatever. She wasn't worried about raising the kids, but they were like little children, man. And like the um, how many siblings did he have? Do you know? Six, the same. Oh, okay. Yeah. So wow, your mom came from six siblings, and your, your yeah, <coughs> that's <a> trip. Yeah, <coughs> they, Excuse me. They both came from a a six, and, and you know what's crazy? I think both of them. Like now that we're talking about it, they were both like a three and three split even with the women and the males, which mm-hmm. is kind of crazy, right? But his shit was terrible, man. He didn't really like to talk about it. He, um, you know, he grew up in just poor fucking neighborhoods. They weren't you. Know, he he had a terrible childhood. He grew up in like fucking Hunter's Point and different spots like that you know where they were the only white family and because they were the only white family they were fucked with really bad um you and and then like when they got older like all of them like my dad and both of his brothers all prison time we all know all that but even one of the women went to prison multiple times the, it, it just, I, I look at his side, man, and it, it's just a really rough kind of story. Did he, was, did he grow up with both of his parents in the home? Yeah, but I think it, it was, I think so, maybe a little bit. Like, I don't know. They were still together when I was a kid. I don't know the whole story, but they didn't really, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think there was times, like, I know my dad did uh he was in foster care for certain periods of time and i don't know man there it was it's weird i was thinking about it earlier with my mom um sorry about that 
I was almost wishing that I would have, uh, you know, like when your parents are alive, you, you wish you would have talked to them about mm. more things. Mm. And I'm sure if my dad and, and my mom were still around now, you know, I would have picked up more stuff as we went along. You just kind of know the little details. Yeah, the little details growing up. But unless they're around for longer periods of time, you, you kind of, you know shit, but you don't really know the full story behind a lot of shit. I know my dad's upbringing was terrible. I know my mom's shit was hard because it was a bunch of kids with the dad who committed suicide, which created a lot of struggle for them to grow up without a father and, and that, like, source of income, I guess. But my dad's shit was, like, it, it just... From everything I could gather, like, I didn't really get into the story too much, but the that news article I was talking about, but it was, like, they got child protective shit came in and, like, took these kids. They, they were, like, young, like, all under, like, eight years old. There was, like, babies, and they were just left there as, like, little seven- and eight-year-olds, like, just fucking taking care of a baby while their mom was fucking gone. It was an insane kind of story. My mom, my grandma was like really abusive and mean to my dad. He never really talked about that. Like I knew my grandma for a little while. She died when I was pretty young as well as my grandfather on my dad's side. But, um, I don't know. I, I, it's hard for me to talk about shit like this. Cause I feel like I'm like, talking bad about people that ain't yes. there or so you know what i mean like, I like was, when you're saying that i was just thinking like man maybe maybe people think my dad's bad but that's why i tried to say yeah he he was abusive kind of man but he was a good man you know he yeah. taught me lots of things and you know jay i was just thinking too is um i don't i don't know how your situation was but in my house the the children weren't allowed to ask about adults a bunch of questions like, so that's why there's like, like, you know, I, I know things because I've overheard things and stuff, but like, like I wasn't a little kid that was allowed to ask my parents, like, so how was your upbringing? Right. You know what I mean? Like that yeah. wasn't allowed. Like little kids, like when I grew up in the seventies, like we were to be seen, not heard type. Dude, type that's thing. that old school saying children are to be seen, seen, not heard. Well, yeah, man. that's my, my dad lived by that. And so there wasn't a lot of. Um, talking at a turn and talking at a line, you know, like, or, or questions. and It's kind of unfortunate, right? Because uh, you, you would love to know, like, more about their story. That's like right. what I was talking about like, a minute ago when I was thinking about my mom. That's, like, where it came up. I was kind of, because my mom's story is unique because she came from, like, that normal kind of, I know you're saying it's not normal because her father committed suicide, which I guess isn't normal. But I as far as like the crazy shit that like my dad grew up in, <laughs> it wasn't like that. It, it was different. You were saying how your mom's upbringing wasn't normal, but not the suicide. But you were explaining the crazy lifestyle. Yeah, like. Her shit was probably unfortunate in that aspect, that it was tough financially to grow up with, you know, six kids and without a father there and without that support. But I don't think it was that level of terrible kind of upbringing that my dad came up in, which was just like next level poor and foster homes and jail. Like, 
I, when I think about my dad's side of the family, man, I just think about a lot of hard times and prison and shit. It, it just, I mean, fuck, dude. You you think my my dad? My dad was one of three boys in his family, and between the three of them, I mean, they probably got fucking forty, fifty. They probably got like sixty to seventy years of prison time between three boys. Right. Like that's fucking weird, man. Do you know how your mom and dad met? I know we talked about Rollins, but I they met in the projects in Rodeo. I I really don't know the whole story. I I know they met there. I know, uh, yeah. I, I don't know exactly like how that yeah came to be like a um, a relationship. They just my dad obviously wasn't from that area. He uh he was more of a Vallejo dude to where my mom was more like a Crockett girl. Um, so what he was doing over there, especially cause he was just out of prison for a little bit when he met my mom after he had just done whatever, six or seven years. Um, yeah, he met her in Rodeo and she had, I think, I don't, I think she may have been married to the previous dude she was with. So, um, Correct me if I'm wrong, but your mom's upbringing and like even like up to her like a little like older years wasn't really like criminal involved. No, not at all. Whereas your dad's upbringing. That's all they knew, I think. Okay, so it's two different worlds colliding. Yes. Okay, and then we're finally at the point where you guys come into play. (laughs) Um, I don't know, Jay, what your earliest memory could be, but I know Ron has one that's, like, super early, so we'll start with him. So your earliest memory. My earliest memory? I was still in the crib. God damn, Yeah, bro. I remember this, bro. Like, and it, and it, and it, so I'm, I'm, I'm in the crib, and I, for some reason, I think that they left. Like, everybody left. I thought I was alone in the house, and it was a hot day. And so that room that I was in, turned out to be my room like most of my my life of 50 years that I lived on Burbeck and and late late in the late in the day like four or five o'clock the sun would shine in that room and I remember when this I didn't obviously I didn't know that when I was in the crib but and they had given me some saltine crackers and I remember I was hot and sweaty and fucking I guess I was eating these saltine crackers and the the crackers were all over my body in the folds of my 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 neck and i just remember being so uncomfortable and so hot and thinking they left and i'm crying and i'm crying and i'm crying and nobody's coming for i don't know how long it was maybe it was a short time maybe it was a long time I, i don't know but then somebody eventually came and i actually fucking remember that so i couldn't have been older than three at that time and i remember that and to this day if you eat in fucking bed, I, I find it disgusting. I will never. I don't eat in beds. Uh, it uh, to me, I find it gross, and it, and it it brings back that memory yeah. for me. Of you know, and and it's funny because my wife don't give a fuck about it. she'll <laughs> she'll eat whatever the fuck she'll eat a fucking full meal in the fucking bed and not give a fuck. And I just I I can't do it. Like it's to me, it's so fucking odd and kind of gross but yeah. I, I don't like it fixing fences jay do you remember um your like an early memory like or your no, earliest memory 
Fuck. No, I I, I don't. Um, I, I remember pretty clearly my my mom shooting my dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your your childhood was pretty normal, bud. Yeah, that one stuck out a lot. How old were you? I was little, bro. I was I want to say like seven or eight ish. Do you want to go into detail about that? We we can. I don't trip too hard off talking about that. Um, so my mom and my dad would fight a lot. You know what I mean? My dad was like a little bit of like a party dude. You know what I mean? He would go out and fuck around on my mom, and that would lead to fights. And then if he was doing any type of drugs, like alcohol or whatever drugs he would be fucking with at that time, it, it would just lead to a lot of problems. Like, I think the very young periods of time in my life were just like turmoil the the most peaceful period of time in my life is when my dad was clean i don't know how long it was i don't think it was for a very long period of time but that was like the cool period of time where my mom and dad were everything in the house didn't just seem like fucking chaos all the time but i i remember um, the, the tension, like when, when you're a kid, you know, when you grow up in that type of household, you know, when shit's about to hit the fan. Mm. And, and I knew that somehow. Um, but my mom at this point in time was just like, she couldn't handle that anymore. Like whatever. And you know, there was abuse and shit like that. I won't get into that, but whatever it was, she couldn't do that probably physically or mentally. She was too scared. Um, and it was too much for her to to deal with that. And she had a gun on her. She was, like, prepared to defend herself. And the shit was escalating towards a situation like that. And um, right before it happened, I remember your mom, uh, she, she, like, grabbed me and Maddie, and she brought us all to the back room. And I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't very in my memory. So it, it, who knows what it was? Cause I'm a young kid at this time. It could have been longer period of time, but it seemed like really like as soon as she accumulated us in the bedroom, and this is a small home. It's a 900 square foot home. There's like a living area and then a hallway to the two bedrooms. Um, they started their, their fighting shit your mom got us to bring us to the room and the shots fired off. And the craziest thing is my dad was like the very dominant, you know, scary figure and, and all that shit. But when, when my mom shot, I knew it was her that did it. And I went running down the hallway and I was like, don't kill my dad. And your mom fucking tackled me. <laughs> your mom tackled me in the hallway and like drug me back in the room and my dad was like, you fucking shot me, you bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Some shit like that, you know, and then. Uh, but at a young age, that's traumatizing. It, it was hard, you know, and then um, my memory, uh, it, it's like fragmented from there. Like, so it, it must have been very serious and hard for me right there because I go from there to we're in the back. And like the cops and all them are there and we're like freaking out. You know, I think my dad's like seriously hurt. And um, he comes out onto the back porch and he goes, 
he, he was like trying to soothe us, I guess. We're not really right by him. He's like on the back little steps and he like tells us it's all right. It went in and out like <laughs> for like some kids. Like he must have thought that was just going to put us right at ease. Oh, we're, we're good. <laughs> it went in and out. It went in and out. Everything's fine. We don't have to worry about anything. Dad's fine, guys. It went in and out. <laughs> Yeah, it was fucking, it was just nuts. <laughs> but, you know, my dad was like a super intimidating figure, man. And he had this super deep voice. And the dude was like so aggressive that I really never pushed a lot of boundaries with him because I was kind of terrified of, you know, I, I, yeah. don't get me wrong. I loved him, you know, like yeah. he was my, he he was on this pedestal. He was this great fucking huge figure that was like, impressive and you know he was big yoked yeah. up and all that so all these things like that was all there but at the same time you're very fearful and intimidated by this very masculine fucking right. aggressive figure in your life and your mom's kind of scared of him but loves him so you're yeah. kind of like it's you know it's this whole weird dynamic yeah. so those are your guys's first memory now i kind of just want to go into um your guys's childhood what was your, and when I say early childhood, I'm talking about like six to 12, right before you start hitting that like teenage. So what, like, like elementary through junior high? Yeah. What, what, what was your like bringing up like? It was, I guess it was normal. Like, uh, I can give you some like questions within that if you want. Yeah, please. Yeah. So like, um, I mean, you could just talk about like your family life. What was your family like, li life like? You can talk about, um, elementary school. If you have any earliest friends from the age like six to twelve that you could remember that like maybe impacted you in any way. It's like several different questions. So, so just those are just things you could like generally talk about. Like um, so we could start with your family life if you want. So family life was uh it was uh. So my dad had two daughters, one of which died in North Carolina, and the other one stayed there with her mom when he ended up in the West Coast, and so. From his marriage number two, he had three girls, my sisters, and uh, and the two boys, me and my brother. So there was, uh, there was, but my sister Cheryl was, uh, she lived in Juvenile Hall. Like, I ain't gonna try to get all into that shit because I really don't know the whole story anyway. But uh, so she was, she didn't. I, I don't remember my sister Cheryl which was the oldest girl at the time. So I, I, I had these, uh, my other two sisters lived in the house and uh, they were, uh, and my mom, my mom took care of them. And like my mom was also their nanny at one point. And then, you know, she got <laughs> my dad, the whole weird thing. <laughs> and then, um, then she became stepmom. <laughs> right. But if for some reason, I think that my, my sisters were, uh, they were rebellious. They were rebellious young girls, and I also one of my also one of my oldest memories is my mom was my mom was doing dishes, and uh, you know there's a the window in front of the sink, and my mom's doing dishes, and I'm like a little kid, and I'm playing in the playing in the kitchen, like I'm standing, I'm sitting on the like playing with a toy, a truck or something on the floor, and I remember my sister, one of my my one of my sisters coming in and asking, could she go somewhere with her friends? And it was already it was it was already getting to be dark outside. Like it was, whatever the fuck period that's called dusk or whatever <laughs> yeah. the fuck. And my mom's like, "Fuck no, you ain't you ain't going nowhere. What are you talking about? No, you ain't going nowhere." 
And so my sister, I remember her walking out of the house, and then from what I hear, she walked in front of the window where my mom was doing dishes and flipped my mom off. I remember my mom, and I, and I was probably four years old at the time. Jesus. And fucking my mom fucking dipped out of the fucking house so fucking quick. She fucking runs out there, drags her into the house like a fucking caveman, <laughs> throws her into her room, and I'm watching. Like, like the, the room was just on the other side of the kitchen down. I think it was three stairs. We used to call it downstairs, but it was three stairs into to, to the girls' room. And my mom, my mom was a, um, was a, uh, did karate growing up her, her adolescence. She did karate and she was a brown belt or something. <laughs> she beat the fucking brakes off my sister. Everywhere my mom threw a fucking punch and a kick, it was landing. She beat that she bitch's ass like she, like, she, like she flipped her off, like she stole money from her or something. My mom beat the fuck out that girl. And I remember thinking, damn, my mom's a badass, <laughs> you know? But so it was, it was, it was weird. It was kind of weird growing up, like in the seventies with them. And my sisters looked the whole seventy part, the, the fucking bell bottom jeans, the jean, the long jean jackets, and were there any drugs or like any criminal oh, life I, in I, your? I'm, I'm sure, in, not my mom and my dad. My mom was straight laced, smoked cigarettes. My dad smoked cigarettes and he drank. He didn't drink every day. Sometimes he did. But he would go on these binges, and when he went on a binges, he'd come home and uh, that was bad. Yeah, he was. So, um, w when like, if if it wasn't something in your family, like, how were you injured? Well, I guess that's teenage. So at this point, when you're six to twelve, six to twelve, you're not living a normal life, but pretty, like non criminal. To me, I thought, it, I thought it was. I thought it was normal, you know. It w I, I think I told you before, like, what you've seen on the outside, I don't think you knew what was really going on in the inside right. with my family. Um, but um, I, I, I think I might have mentioned this before. I knew what the fuck I was doing when I was eight years old. I knew the path I was taking. I knew what I was going to be. I, I knew it. There was this man who moved into the neighborhood. It was a, one of the very few white people that moved into our neighborhood, and it was Ken and Bonnie Andrews. And when I seen Ken, I fucking knew immediately, like, what the fuck I was and what I was going to be. He was yoked up, tattoos, and he was a biker guy. Like, he had a Harley, and I was fucking automatically drawn to it. Like, yeah. besides my my dad, Ken was the only other white man in the fucking neighborhood. Okay. And then, Jay, you're 6 to 12. <clears throat> The six to twelve range was, um, I feel I feel like that's kind of where maybe my family started coming across like some of the money, from like the drug game and shit. You know, that's we. Um, my parents, I think, were already in that lifestyle, but that's when they ended up making like connections that kind of changed the the whole trajectory. I I feel like. We uh we started spending a lot of time in Oakland. I feel like um, around that point, that's where we became like Melissa and Jen became like our family, right? That you know we would refer to each other as like cousins and shit like that. 
I mean, still to this day, they're my cousins. You know, right. we just, that, that's what it's like. The, um, my dad and mom became really close friends with Blair and Joanne, and then Melissa and Jen were their kids, and then me, Maddie, and Tam were like, um, you, we were all like, a, I don't know, like that, that was like part of the family right there. Do you think at this age you realize? Absolutely. Like and your parents I were selling drugs. I struggled with it. You know, I would, uh, I, I knew what we were doing wasn't good. And at that point in my life, I felt I struggled with that. You know, I, I felt like, you know, there were things that would happen to where I would be aware that they were drug dealers. And, you know, I'd go to them for like reassurance, my mom, not my dad. And, oh, no, you know, they'd be, no, everything's normal, everything's okay, you so know. they try to kind of hide it from you guys, but it was like a parent. Yeah, but it, it was, you know, at that point, still when I was young, I didn't even know my dad had been to prison yet. That was like, they would talk about him being away to college and shit. It was, it was <laughs> weird, man. Um, yeah, yeah, no lie. Um, it's so weird to talk about this shit, man, because I've, I've, you know, for my whole life, we've never talked about it. And it was always, you know, you don't talk about things right. like this. So it's like weird for me to talk about it. But they started doing that. That was like the good times of the drug dealing. That's like when money was rolling in. And that was before the raids and all the negative shit that comes with that. Uh, don't get me wrong. My mom, my dad still had their issues here and there. Um but at this point, you guys are, like, getting introduced to money. Yes. You know, we got to take some trips to Hawaii and Mexico. And my when you were how old you got to go to Hawaii? I was pretty young, bro. I want to say I was, like, fucking seven maybe or something when I went to Hawaii. And then, I re bro, uh, Mexico, too. My, my dad, the, the Mexicans down there would be calling him Rambo. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, because he is yoked up and shit. And, um... <laughs> that's great yeah it was it was uh it was crazy bro this this uh it was like a new lifestyle you, know, you guys had money yeah a little bit because my mom you know she my mom had hustle but she, you know for a certain when we were still really young my mom still worked my dad was doing his dumb shit but my mom was like working at a dental practice but she had hustle she i think right. she was always doing shit we would hear these these funny ass stories about going to Kmart. Like I threw it in one of the first rap songs that I wrote way back in the day. You know what I mean? We'd go into Kmart with nothing and we'd come out with all these new clothes on and shit. My dad, it was hella funny because my dad was a straight criminal, but he wouldn't go into the store and do the stealing shit. Like my mom would have to go in and do that shit. He'd be sitting out in the car. <laughs> it was like, just weird as shit, man. Like, um, you know, there was there was this picture I seen of your mother and father, and uh, and they're they're both very they're good looking people. Yeah. And uh, they it all that one picture I, and I don't I don't know where I seen it at, but there was this picture, and it always reminded me of the movie Grease <laughs> with Olivia Newton John yeah. and John Travolta. That's I don't hella know why, funny, bro. Yeah. Because maybe because they were good looking people and the way they were. You know what's hella funny, dude, is all the old school movies reminded me of that. Like the the good girl 
falling, falling from the yeah. Yeah. yeah and yeah, and it would it all like a lot of the old school films re, like uh dirty dancing or some you you know that's a good example yeah your dad almost kind of had that kind of look you yeah know? he had that swagger too yeah, you know but he is friendly good looking dude he was handsome yeah crybaby right crybaby was no that's a different crybaby's johnny depp shit yeah. dirty dancing is patrick swayze it's like a it, it's not really aligned it's not really aligned with my mom and dad but in the sense that the well, dude neither the is Greece, but I right, think right. of that for some reason. It 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 just in the sense of like my dad being from the other side of the tracks yeah. and my mom falling for this dude and all the shit that comes along with that. But yeah, they were they were both attractive people and and uh, yeah, it was it's kind of like a love story in a sense, right? <laughs> like yeah. this good girl falls for the wrong guy, but it's true love and. So from 6 to 12, this is for both of you guys, you were already around drugs because of your family life. You weren't around drugs in your family life, but you were around drugs from as your neighborhood. As soon, as soon as you stepped out of the house, you were in the, right. the, the 70s drug culture. It was From 6 to 12, have you guys, did, were you guys, have you guys tried drugs? Were you guys on drugs? So, so for me, I, I, I remember the first, I remember the first beer I, 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 I I took a drink off was Coors. My dad drank Coors. And so that first taste of beer, I I, I was hooked. I, I liked the way it tasted. I liked that. And this was between 6 and 12. This is 5. Oh, okay. <laughs> and uh, so by the time, and then like me and this, we there was this neighborhood kid. His name was Clay Daniels. He was fucking cool as shit. A hustler, little shady bastard. And uh, I remember we had a, we raised pigeons together. And I remember stealing a couple of tall cans of Coors and taking them into our pigeon cage, me and Clay. And I was excited, you know, it was a fucking beer. And fucking we, I took a pool off the beer and he opened it and he took a, and didn't like it. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> what is wrong with this yeah, dude? Like, what, I stole these beers, like, from my dad. This is like ass kicking shit. You know what I mean? I'm going to get my ass kicked for this. Enjoy this. So I drank both the beers. I remember, I remember getting drunk at fucking whatever seven you know seven years old and fucking by eight i had this neighbor filipino guy named thong and thong was thong could thong could robot and he was fucking like he could roller skate really well <laughs> this is the 70s this is the 70s these were guy. important things back then yes they were and he could roller skate really good and he could robot and he was kind of like a lightweight DJ, I think, but there wasn't like a lot of DJing going on back then, but he kind of fucked around with that kind of shit. And um, he got me high. I was in third grade. And I remember bit my friend Billy Stinson was right there. Smoking weed. Yeah. And, the, and I'll never forget the zigzags. They were yellow. The papers were yellow. And the weed was uh, Acapulco Gold. That was the name of it. That was uh, like. So third grade, you were smoking weed. That was the first time I ever got high. Was third grade. Third grade was when also I knew, I was eight. That I knew when I seen Ken Andrews that I was gonna fucking have tattoos and write it. Eight years old was a turning point <laughs> in my life. So, I, so he so grew up. Yeah. He Ron did a lot of growing up at, at eight. At eight and third grade, Miss Zellman's class. I'll never forget it. Six and 12, you were introduced to alcohol and weed. And is that something you continued to do between six and 12? Or was it just like a couple times? As much as I could. Like when you're eight, you're not readily, th that shit's not readily you know, accessible right. for, for an eight-year-old. But anytime I got a chance, anytime an adult put down a beer, 
I'm on it. I remember one time I fucking drank a beer and one of my dad's friend was spitting. What do you call it? Jay? Oh my god. Chaw. Chaw. Oh, some of that chalk. Yeah. Some of that old chalk. So I got I got me a good fucking pool of fucking some fucking chaw spit. But that didn't deter me. What is that hillbilly up to now? She's asking if Layla could come in here. Yeah, let her in. Oh, I said no. <laughs> Okay, so no other drugs between 6 and 12. No, no. So 12, that was another 12. <laughs> another turning point in your life? Yeah, so 12 would have been like, what, junior high? Like you're going to junior high about that age, right? Um, I think, yeah, you're literally 6th grade, I think. Okay, so whatever 8th grade is, is uh, seventh. between 7th and 8th grade, I tried uh, cocaine for the first time. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. Okay, mom, you have to get out then. Love you, bye. Well, mom, we keep having to re-conversate because of this, and I'm gonna have to edit hella. I have to edit it now. Okay, so don't be lazy. Goodbye. Love you. Bye. Okay, I'm gonna re-say it. So between six and twelve, all you did was you've been smoking weed, you've been drinking beers as much as you can get your hands on. Yeah. Yeah, and then so it might have been the summer between 7th and 8th grade. It was somewhere in junior high, but late in junior high, so it might have been 8th grade. I had this neighbor, and like I said, I was in the, the drug culture of the 70s, was in my neighborhood, and I uh, had this neighbor, and he, he fucking, he was cool, <laughs> you know, and fucking... I don't know how it happened, but like he had chopped up some coke or whatever and was like, you know, you guys want to try? And it didn't seem weird at all that he was probably, I was 12, he was probably 18. It didn't seem weird at all that an 18-year-old kid was giving me cocaine. I know, that's reason. crazy to me that you are this young and it's like because I, people are offering you weed Because I imagine my own kids, you know what I mean? That uh, When they were 12 years old, if somebody get them, give them cocaine, I'd have fucking murdered them. Yeah, that's crazy. But... It wasn't like that. We were a lot freer in the 70s. Right. Like, you know, like it was just we weren't we, we went outside a lot. But still, you were introduced to it very young. Yeah. And and uh, needless to say, I, I loved cocaine okay. immediately. Um, Jay, six and 12 drugs, alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. It was all around. I mean, are you like are you doing it between these days? Uh, not nothing hard. I tried weed a couple of times really young. Like, I want to say I was, like, in the fourth grade or something. We we were out camping. Um, it was me, Maddie Boy, and Lewis Currington, who, who was always kind of around growing up. You know, his dad and my dad were friends. Um, we were out camping. This I think this was around the time that my mom and dad had split. Like, this was post the little shooting incident. And the, the craziest shit is they gave my dad, like, full custody of us. And it was like I look back on that and the only thing I could think of that would explain something like that was because my mom had shot him because my dad had already been to prison and he had a violent right. record, you know, so I can't even imagine what the fuck this judge was. He was probably <laughs> looking at both of these motherfuckers like neither one of these right, motherfuckers like, should have damn. these kids. <laughs> Who am I going to give the kids to? <laughs> but uh yeah, I remember my mom, like, sneak into the school to bring us lunches, and I remember just hating that shit, man. It just seemed like 
like our family drama was kind of too much on front street for like all my fr- I didn't want my yeah, friends yeah. to know all this negative weird shit about my family um so you guys were both doing drugs at a very no, young age no I so I I smoked weed a couple times uh and then I got, I went through like this stage, man, because I was really into sports and I, I wasn't like a bad kid, you know, like at school, I didn't get in a lot of trouble. I, I hung out with normal kids. Like my, my best friend growing up back then, his, the, I'll, I'll talk to people about this sometimes. His, uh, he was a brother of three. He was the middle brother. His older brother went to Berkeley, Cal Berkeley. He went to Davis, and the youngest one went to Stanford. That was my best friend growing up. Okay, so it was a very different life than right. you were living. You, and he was allowed to hang out with us for a while, but he came up to our house one time and got liquored up with all of us being stupid, and he wasn't allowed to come to my house anymore. I was still friends with him, and we... Uh, I ended up going to St. Pat's with him for one year, my freshman year in high school, which was essentially kind of like my last year of school. I did some schooling after that, but really my freshman year of school was like the last time I actually went to school full time and tried to do homework and shit like that. So so I forgot to mention, like during this uh, six to 12 or whatever you said, whatever, um, I was also uh, into sports. I, I traveled the country doing uh, judo, and then soon after, I, I started uh, uh, BMX uh, bike racing. And then right after that, it went into to high school football for, for a very short time. I didn't make it on the team for just a, a very, very short period of time. But I was always into to sports. What was you as like a kid in that age, be without the drugs and the drama and all that? Just what was you as like a personality? I want you know, like if you would ask me what I was wanted to be at that age, uh, seven, six, seven, I'd have told you I wanted to be the quarterback for or the running back quarterback for uh, the Dallas Cowboys. Was you funny already? Was you kind of like I, I, I don't know, like Jay. goofy? I, I don't know. I wasn't goofy. <laughs> I, I know that, but um, I I don't know if I was funny or not. I just it was weird because I was a uh, I was definitely the minority growing up. I was a, a white boy in a predominantly black and Hispanic neighborhood, and so it was uh, there was a lot of. <laughs> I remember at that age, man, I was fucking a a hilarious kid. Like I would like entertain the family and the friends but I was super shy at the same time. Were you were you around funny people? My so that's the thing, bro. I'm convinced that uh, a sense of humor is is kind of uh hereditary, bro. Really? Because my dad, I never once heard my dad tell a joke ever. I never heard him sing a song. I bet your mom was funny and like her side of the family probably had some funny people. My mom room. was very very smart, very witty. And, um, but I feel like your humor, Ron, is like your shit talking. And I feel like you. Which is similar to his dad. And huh? your dad, like you always say these little things and then you'll laugh and you'll be like, my dad used to say that to talk <laughs> shit. So I feel like your dad, like, even though he might not like tell you like a fucking 
joke, he did it through his shit talking and like his like you were just telling me the ear piercing and how he like made that joke like so he finally did it. Yeah, you're you're queer. queer. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> nice. Like just like little things like that. Like that was him making himself laugh. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. he was uh he was definitely a like he never once I don't it never seemed like he was ever trying to be funny. He was just he would just talk shit. You know what I mean? And <laughs> but I feel like that's your He's, comedy too. <laughs> I, I think it's hereditary, man. My dad, I think probably similar things to where they came up from rough beginnings, so they had a little bit more of a serious demeanor about them. But underneath, man, by, like my dad loved the, it would almost be like when he loosened up, like give him a couple drinks or something, and when uh, he was feeling good, the fucking yeah, don't, don't, the comedy would come out. Don't and, give my dad a couple of drinks. And from what I understand, his dad had a sense of humor. Some of my brothers, it's like, I, I swear, I feel like a sense of humor to a certain extent could be something that is inherited. And I don't know. Sure. I, it's just, I, I don't, I haven't read anything on that. I just feel like it's like from my life experience, something tells me right. that certain personality traits are inherited and that's one of the things i feel like i got from my dad I, I mean as like like we're talking the six to twelve like i feel like at that point in time i was super shy but at the same time with the people i was comfortable around you were hilarious hilarious <laughs> i remember eddie murphy raw oh, back then so i was seventh grade when that came out I was youngest. No, no, so delirious. Delirious was when I was in the seventh grade. So I think Raw came out, but even I when I was Raw, in the tenth grade. Yeah. So when Raw came out, I don't think I was really seeing it like when it came out. Whenever I saw it, like it, I think maybe that already been around. But I remember trying to imitate Eddie Murphy. You know, like me and my brother. I remember specifically, we had Carrie on the show. Like they were up with us at Tahoe Keys, and I remember us being out there fishing. On the dot, and I don't have a lot of like my memory's terrible, but I remember being out there and it's like me and my brother and Carrie fishing in Tahoe Keys, and I'm out there doing like these Eddie Murphy impressions and shit, being a fucking jackass, you know? Like it, it was in that point in my life, I felt like the problems of that lifestyle hadn't really set in, even though there had been a lot of drama up to that point, I was still kind of had that ability to where I was in the moment, right. you know, funny, like, oh, you know, I, I don't know. Like, I felt like it was different between that, uh, you know, the teenage years and the kind of when you're growing up and the puberty and the deeper thought was right. shit. So, I, 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 you know, you got me thinking about that movie uh, Raw when it came out, that stand-up. I remember my, I, I had, this is how, how young I was. I was 15, and I had just had a baby. God, bro. And my, my baby's mama was mad at me because I went, I have a brand new baby, and I went to the movies with my friends to see Raw. That was probably amazing in the theater at 15. Huh? At, Hill, at Hilltop He's Theater. He's like, fuck the baby at home. Was it a good movie when oh, you went to I, go no, and I see already it? know. It was a great because movie. I already know because when you watch that shit now, you won't believe that they're even allowed to say it. Like the right. shit oh. Eddie Murphy is saying there in, the, in Raw. Like you go watch Raw right now. It's still like the shit. Delirious. Saying, yeah. Delirious the, was even funnier. Raw was like the one for me. Raw was like the one I remember the most because it yeah, was I like, remember Delirious because I was seventh grade and it was like, you got to see fucking Right, Eddie bro. Murphy it was Delirious. raunchy. It was like fucking edgy comedy. Like yeah. they're over there talking about 
like women, like you wouldn't fucking believe like the shit he's saying. Like the last time I listened to it was like, damn, man, like they really won't let somebody get down <laughs> yeah. like that in comedy anymore. Like Chappelle can't even do. I don't think and Chappelle likes to push the edge on controversial shit. I don't think he could get away with what Eddie was getting away with with Raw. To this right. day, Eddie Murphy is one of my my top Absolutely. Three, top three comedians of all time. Eddie when Murphy. when I was little, Eddie Murphy was like one of my favorite entertainers. Oh, like fuck this yeah, motherfucker. Man. Beverly Hills was, Cop and yeah. all the great shit. He was amazing back then. Like when I was growing up, it was like Eddie Murphy, Mike Tyson. Yes. It was like Michael Jordan, there was like yes. these fucking just amazing entertainers yep. that were just icons. Yes, dude, that I was like fascinated so, with. So I was telling Nanny the other day, and this just came to my mind, you know, about my dad. I'm thinking about my dad right now. And uh, my dad had these sayings, and one of them was like, if a motherfucker, and I think he said it about my brother. <laughs> he said, that boy wouldn't work in a pie factory. Like, the easiest job. This motherfucker wouldn't take the easiest job. You know, he couldn't work the easiest job. Easiest pie. Yeah, he, that's where it came from, I guess. But he said, that boy wouldn't work in a pie factory, which I always thought was. And my brother reminded me of it uh, a couple years ago, two, three years ago. My brother asked me, did I remember him saying that? And I was like, yeah, fuck yeah. I forgot all about it. So... I want to go into your guys' teens up to adulthood now. What was your life like? Girlfriends? Yeah. Uh, go ahead, Sal. Okay. So, okay. <laughs> so, girlfriends, like, you know, like, 12 years old was also a, a big year for me. I, I, I think I got my <laughs> first real piece of pussy. Um, and I, I had, like, and, like, when I say I got some pussy, I, I fucked the little... The neighborhood girl in her fucking grandpa's fucking you know a freezer shed. That's not for three seconds. Ron. Yeah, why her brother was there, damn near helping me. Weird shit, you know, kid Weird shit. shit. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It oh was fuck, man. And I fucked this other little girl in the neighborhood who, I don't know. And then. So it sounds so bad saying it now. Like I fucked this other little girl, and I'm like, okay, wait, he's talking about when he was yeah, twelve. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um. Um. I, I don't know if you guys weren't around, but Chuck E. Cheese had a teen night, and I got a girlfriend up out of there. I pulled a chick out of there, and then I, I've, you know, I had some girlfriends, but my first like uh, real, I mean, real girlfriend was my 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 daughter's mom. You know, she was a she was a good girl too. She was from a good family, and um, they're good, and I'm, we're still really good friends uh, to this day. Me and her. That's good. So, uh, but what, what what else did you ask? Just your teens, teens up to adulthood. Oh, there was then. So the 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 drugs uh, uh, became more and more frequent and uh, more experimental. There was uh, methamphetamines, mushrooms, and and like this cocaine thing. I liked it so much it became a constant. Like, so you were addicted to drugs. I, I don't know if I was addicted, but I would do it as much as I could. Okay, <laughs> addiction. <laughs> But I didn't feel addicted. I was still partying. That was still partying to me. And then, yeah, to my, to, to, like, to what age? To my 20s, what? You got to break it down to the teens. That's too wide from okay. teenager teen. to now. High Just school. High school. Oh, high school? To teenager, so 13 to 20-ish. So, so like, like Jay, like, what'd you say? You made it to ninth grade? Ninth grade was my, my last full year of school. And so, okay, so 10th grade came around and, um, 
was either ninth or tenth grade. I caught a I caught a little case, and I had to go to juvenile hall for a while. And then um, uh, I I got kicked out of Richmond High because the the what what got me locked up happened at the school, <laughs> it, which is also it would involved cocaine. Uh, <laughs> it started young. And so uh, they let me out. I'm kicked out of Richmond High. I had to go to Gompers. It's a continuation school. It's a notorious um, high school in the area I'm from. And uh, so I started going there. And then uh, I remember I, I did so well there because I was trying to work my way back to Richmond High because I had such fun there <laughs> that I wanted to go back. And uh, I eventually I got on the honor roll. First time I ever made the honor roll was at fucking this continuation school called Gompers. I also got my... My license the day I turned 16 because I took driver's ed when I was 15 at Gompers. I also, what else? Um, I got on the honor roll. I had a wood shop class at Continuation School. Mr. Zabriskie, he was a nice man. And then uh, fucking, I got back into Richmond High and it just started all over again. The fucking, the partying, the fucking, you know, cocaine, the fucking. And then I, I, I probably, like, that was probably the beginning of my probably after the first or second semester of fucking um of uh 11th grade and that was it for me like i i came to school to sell drugs and do drugs and cut like we used to call it third period rock there's a big rock in front of richmond high we meet at the rock and i i just basically came to sell drugs and cut out look at bitches and sell drugs okay jay high school um, I'll, I'll start at junior high first um Seventh grade to me was like a amazing year. Like it was kind of where I like started realizing that girls were attracted. Like I didn't think women were attracted to me before that. Or I, or maybe you're so young you you it just doesn't cross your mind. I don't know. Um, but in the seventh grade, I started realizing that girls were attracted to me, and that I had like an ability to to entertain them or right. whatever, like a game, whatever you want to call it. At that age, it seems weird to say you have game, but... Yeah, you were pulling girls. I did. You know, I started having some girlfriends and shit, and at that point, it was, like, so new and fascinating to me that it was, like, this great, cool fucking thing, you know? I had a great time, and I started having, <laughs> my like, my first girlfriends, and and our house was right next to the junior high, so, like our dirt bikes, and at this point we had uh, little mini street bikes. They were YSR 50s. So like, I don't even, I don't even know what these parents thought back then, but we'd be like fucking ripping up and down the street by this little junior high that <laughs> we were going to school at. We'd be fucking ripping by this shit on our fucking oh, little, so cool. on our dirt bikes and our little YSRs and shit. And, um, I was playing basketball. I loved fucking basketball. You know, I was good at it. I was like the starting little point guard on our little junior high team. I fucking, all, all the things that like I liked in life right there were all like coming together. I liked, I wasn't on drugs or anything like that. The, uh, the trouble at home with like, with law enforcement, like our house getting raided and all that shit hadn't started happening. Like we were still kind of, we are on like the back end of like the good times of before the shit started hitting the fan and like our doors started getting kicked in all the time and fucking we were facing 
you know, family was all in trouble with the law and all that shit. It was still good times to me back then. And this is while you're in junior high? Seventh grade. Okay. Eighth grade was completely different. It was like a fucking night and day. Like, uh, the drugs, like, had already started fucking, like, Maddie Boy was already in eighth grade. He was already, he went to uh, Thunder Road when he was like 13, I think, which is, was like a really, um, at that point in time, it was like this really respected rehab for, I, I think it was just for use, um, in, in Oakland, it was called Thunder Road. He was already getting in trouble. I don't know how he ended up in Thunder Road, but you know, I'm like 12, he's 13, he's really young, and that was, like I had this, like, great year at school, but then all of it kind of started unraveling a little bit at that point. Uh, it didn't completely, like, it wasn't all the way terrible at that point, but that was kind of, like, maybe the start of, like, some harder times to where I didn't have, like, that same joy that I had in seventh grade. By the time I got to eighth grade, it was... Things were fucked up, and I didn't want anything to do with that. I just saw all the, I, I was like, I remember being, like, nervous and scared for my brother. Like, fuck, dude, he's in Thunder Road, and we'd have to go visit him, and we would be in, like, these fucking group talk sessions and shit, and to me, it was, like, super emotional. My dad wasn't in the picture. It was just a lot of drama that I didn't like, so, yeah. like, I didn't want to go down that path. I wanted to be... I wanted to stay away from all that shit. I didn't want to do drugs, but that was all that was around me. You right. know, that's all I fucking knew. So then going to high school? So going to high school, I I, uh, I think in an attempt to kind of try to stay away from that, my best friend, like I had mentioned earlier, he was going to St. Pat's in Vallejo. I don't think, even though his older brother went to John Sweat, I think maybe his parents were just like, it's... Let, let's kind of try to get him away from this. They put him in St. Pat's in Vallejo. And I was like, I'll, I'll go with you. I applied. I remember being like super excited that I got accepted. Like mm -hmm. I thought it was like this cool thing. Like I had to test to get in there and I thought I had like passed some <laughs> cool test to get in this shit. They, <laughs> the bar. Yeah. They was probably accepting anybody who had fucking money. Um, but so yeah, I went to St. Pat's and over there, you know, I was out of that, the network of Rodeo and Crockett. Nobody knew me over there. Right. So I went over there and I was in like this new world of just, mo you know, the, there, there was still some, probably, I don't know, there was probably some kids who thought they were bad. But for the most part, St. Pat's was like a good school with good families and shit, with trying to get their kids into good places and shit. Yeah, it was more of a like normality. Yeah. And, um... I played football there, you know, high school football. Uh, I, I was still staying away from all the dumb shit, but by the, probably, like, by the end of that freshman year, I had started, like, mingling with, like, my old friends. Mm -hmm. And um, and and I was, you know, I was kind of on the girls thing and all that, and I was losing interest in trying to do the good thing and and probably thinking it didn't matter anyways like I could try to do that shit but it didn't matter like I remember kind of having that in my mind like I I could try to do this shit but who am I kidding kind of right. shit like I'm gonna like this is where I'm gonna end up yeah I don't know if it was that much of a conscious 
decision, but I was, you know, it was kind of like creeping into my conscience a little bit, like fucking dude, I'm destined for bad shit. Like right. I, I might as well kind of embrace it. But, uh, uh, I would say probably a huge influence of that, uh, was just women and wanting to party and, and that shit wasn't really over there at St. Pat's. It, I could come over and hang out with my old friends and, and Rodeo and Crockett and in that world and party and and have fun, man, and and try to get with girls and all that shit. And it just slowly but surely like kind of started just enticing me into that lifestyle right. a little bit more and more. Were drugs included in this? For me, yeah, yeah. But not I, I hated uh I never really fucked with like meth. I, I think I don't remember my first time trying that really, um, but it didn't do a, a lot for me. Like I, I was fucking with Valium and alcohol. That was like my two things at that point in my life. Cause Valium would really relax you, you know, and get you kind of out of your normal little reserve comfort zone or whatever, and really open you up and make you feel good. Even if a situation was fucked up and you're not overall feeling great, Right. A little bit of alcohol and volume would have you feeling great about everything. You know, what volume did for me, man, it made me feel drunk without the feeling of being drunk. Without the right. heaviness. Like you just felt carefree. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and uh, if you could balance it and Ooh. find that right little... Man, that, and that's the problem, finding that right fucking concoction to, to yes. get you right there. I've only found it a few times in my drug Yes, career. and then you just chase it because yeah. a little too much volume and you're just knocking out or you just feel like shit because you're so fucking lethargic and volumed out that you're not really partying. Yes. If you don't do enough, then it's not getting you to that point. But there's <laughs> yeah. that little Goldilocks zone. There's this, yeah, there's this balance that if you can find it. Oh, it's, my it's God, awesome. bro. And I remember going to, like, parties back then, man. We'd have, like, viewpoint parties and shit. And I'd go there, man. And if I had, like, the right little amount of... And it didn't take a lot of booze for me back then. I was young. I was, like, fucking... I was young for my grade. So in high school, I was only 13, I, w I was 12 starting my freshman year, and I turned 13, so then each year, you know, I was right. like, if you broke it down, I would have started a year younger, but essentially 13, four, or, uh, 14, 15, 16, 17, I would have graduated when I, I would have been 16 my senior year and graduated when I was 17. Yeah. Um, so, you know, as a freshman, I'm only 13 or 14, and... Yeah, and then as a once I got out of uh, my freshman year at St. Pat's, when I kind of started more mingling that summer with like my older friends and partying and going to the viewpoint parties, 14, 15 ish or something. And man, you get me on some booze, and I'd be thinking I was Rico Suave <laughs> up in a fucking party. You bro, still I'd, do. I know, that's where it started, bro. <laughs> and at this point, have your two worlds collided yet? No. No, we were still in different networks at that time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we're past high school. I mean, you guys didn't pass. So even though Ron, Ron, even though Ron and I's past didn't uh, like necessarily cross our, our networks because there's 
Contra Costa County is a trippy thing, man. You uh, like I remember Mike Miller telling me a bunch of stories about your mom. Like this yeah. motherfucker thought your mom was a ninja. My you mom know? damn near was a fucking ninja, <laughs> blood. Yeah, and I would always hear Mike talk about that shit. You know what I mean? So it was like even though Ron and I hadn't necessarily started hanging out, I've known he Mike. knew people who knew. Yeah, people. and it was like yeah. that out there. It was Contra Costa County's, even though you. West, West Contra Costa West County. Contra There's Costa. like that fucking from Crockett back to the Richmond. Rich. There's like a fucking, there's them four or five cities in there. Richmond, El Sobrani, Pinole, Rodeo, Crockett. San Pablo. San Pablo. It, it's Their like. circles kind of just. Yeah. You, you can't help it. Yeah. It's right. like a fucking, uh, it's like a family in a sense almost. Like when them fools all go to prison, that little Coco fucking car that they're like that's a thick little car in the california prisons man it's uh and at this point ron because ron was saying um at 15 he had a kid at this point are there any serious relationships in your life in height like your high school years up to your 19 no no but one of the interesting things is uh like who i eventually had my kids with i had already like that woman and and me had already had a relationship um, but I just, I was still too wild and, you know, kind of running around and we didn't connect until I got out of county jail when I was like 19, I think, but we had already, she had been like one of my little girlfriends in you that little getting, 15 right. to 16 year old range, but we always kind of would stay connected just on the peripheral a little bit. You know what I mean? But nothing so serious at that, this point I had, uh, I had some girls I would mess with more than others, but really, man, in my life, there's only been like a few women that I was like really with for any ex like extended period of time. Right. There, most of the women, I just, they, it was a whole little pursuit kind of thing. And then I was on to the next thing. And right. Okay. It, it used to blow me away how some, some dudes would like any broad that they messed with was like a huge relationship. And I would They're be like, married. bro, what the fuck, man? You talk to this girl <laughs> on the phone. What the fuck are you? Or, or like it would, it would She's blow the me one. Yeah, it blow me away if a dude had sex with a girl and all of a sudden they're in love and doing that. Be like, bro, what the fuck, man? It, to me, it was just because I started getting action at like a pretty young age, man. So to me. We used to, uh, I don't know if, I think I might have brought it up. It was hilarious, man. Like, me and my brother and then my cousins, Justin and Jonathan, we were all, that, that, the four of us were so close in age. Like, growing up, we were really tight-knit. We, uh, we loved spending time with each other. And then the older ones, Jonathan was the youngest of the four of us. And all the rest of us had had action at like a certain age. And I remember we would fuck with this poor dude, Jonathan, so hard. Now he's like, I mean, he's settled down now, but the dude's a good looking motherfucker. Yeah, he'll get a lot of action going anywhere. But when we were younger, oh my God, you guys wouldn't believe you guys how. Are assholes. Well, you wouldn't believe how hard of a time, you know, he's gay. He can't, <laughs> he can't. What's wrong with you? This motherfucker might have been like 13 at the time. Yeah. <laughs> What's wrong late with you, bloomer. dude? Yeah, the late bloomer. He's like 13 or 14, and we're giving him such a hard time, dude. 
but but the rest of us were getting like action at such a young age it was like weird dude i remember i remember it being harder for me at like a little bit of an older age than it was when i was younger <laughs> and i was like how the fuck does this happen man it was like i i don't know so we're getting to your guys's like 20s i don't know do you guys want to do like 20s too 20s to 30s or 20s yeah 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 just just roll with the tweens so my 20s is when i uh i had been to juvenile a couple of times in my teens and then i think uh by the time i was 21 i had caught a case and i was doing county time my first county year and then i did some uh some fucking violations and shit here and there and then i ended up Towards my late twenties, I caught another county year. But my twenties was just fuck. It's it's almost a fucking blur. Like I did so much fucking drugs. I uh, yeah, the twenty twenties. I, I had my son at twenty five. I actually had my daughter when I was sixteen. And then my son came at when I was twenty five, but. You know, I worked off and on as as a butcher or whatever, and uh, but I, I really, what I really enjoyed was selling drugs and uh, being in that that whole scene. And but yeah, the twenties, I fucked a lot of girls. I did a lot of drugs. That's, that's what you got from your twenties. Bitches, drugs, and money. Yeah, that was okay. it. We I sold in my twenties. I sold a lot of methamphetamine. It's when the um, the Mexicans started making the meth, and I, yeah. was, I was surrounded by Mexicans, and so it, it was just, I mean, they would drop off a lot of it at my house for no charge and just tell me, get rid of it, and they'd come back later and pick up money. It was, it was so fucking easy, and that yeah. the 20, and, and I, what I do remember about my 20s is there wasn't no India Indian casinos, not like they are now. They're fucking every six blocks now. So back then, I mean, we were getting so much fucking money that we would go to Reno and Tahoe, I want to say four and five times a week at night. We'd fucking Damn. Leave. We'd leave fucking 9, 10, 11, 12 at night, go to fucking Reno and Tahoe, and come back the next morning. We were high on fucking, right. you know, so... I, I remember a lot of that, but there was a lot of gambling, a lot of, a lot of drinking, a lot of drugs. I wasn't a, I wasn't a very, uh, I wasn't a very kind person then either because the drugs. By this time, I'm, I'm, I'm full blown into my addiction now, and I'm just, I'm rolling. Yeah. I'm doing drugs every day, every night, staying up all night for. I think I stayed up four, four nights in a row before I, I heard people do like two weeks and all that but I, I never did that i seen the shadow men at four nights and i knew it was time to go to sleep yeah so but yeah the, the 20s it was a blur i guess there was some good times in there too but just a lot of partying time a lot of partying a lot of partying and at time you're still living at home um i'm having i'm i'm having apartments here and there i've always kept a a, a bedroom at mom's house on, on Burbank. Uh, so when you're getting these drugs, is this at your home with your parents? Or both, this, both. But your parents don't know at this point? They they, they are knowing. My, uh, I'm at odds with my parents. I'm, I'm, I'm fighting them. Uh, not fist fighting, but like 
they know that I'm fucking selling drugs and um, I'm sneaking it in and out of their house. It's being dropped off at their house. It's being dropped off everywhere, but that was one of the spots because it was in the neighborhood and that's where the d drugs were coming from was my neighborhood. Right. So there's arguments there. They're trying to stop you from that life. Yeah, they're trying to, you know, preaching to me, but I, I knew it all. I, they couldn't tell me nothing. I knew, right. I knew way more than they did in my young life. But everything they said, uh, it came true. <laughs> they they knew. Um, they knew. They knew more. They knew who my friends were and who my friends weren't, and um, it was like in and out of jail my whole twenties. And Jay, your twenties. Um, so, in I think it was ninety seven. I was eighteen. The whole family went down. It was me, Maddie, Tim and my mom, they raided both of the houses. We all got caught up on some shit. Um, Tam, Tam and my mom got out, and me and Maddie, actually, no, I think my mom was still in there. I actually visited her in jail. That was terrible, man. You never want to, we're both inmates visiting each other. Like, what the fuck? What? I didn't know that was a you thing. You didn't know that? No. No, it was, and it was terrible because you're around a bunch of other motherfuckers, man. So you don't want like somebody seeing your mom and like saying yeah. something stupid or some shit. But uh, yeah, me and my mom actually visited each other while we were both in custody one time. I don't know how that's arranged, but it happened. But anyhow, the the four of us. Both got arrested in 97. I get out in 98. I'm 19. And this is all drug charges? Yeah. Yeah. They they had, like, they they acted like they found a bomb in the house. And to this day, I don't believe that because I don't know which one of us would have had a fucking bomb. <laughs> and uh, allegedly, they detonated the thing, and so they couldn't bring it to evidence. It was just, I don't know. But anyhow, yeah. Essentially, what I pleaded guilty to at that age was uh, possession of sales. Matty Boy was already on the run, so the raid didn't necessarily, that wasn't even really what he ended up going to prison for. He had, um, when he was like evading arrest in Benicia, he got in a physical confrontation with the cops that were trying to arrest him, and one of the cops got their leg broke. So he had to do, uh, prison time for basically assaulting a police officer. So this time the whole family is going down. Yes. this is, You know how I was saying like when I was younger, that 6 to 12 yeah, shit's like things were cool. Good from, and great. Yeah, from like 12 on to 20, it's the, that's the tail end. The empire's like crashing. There's not that same money that was around when I was a kid. It's like me and my brother are like inheriting this fucking shitty ass business that it's just the uh, potential to make money that my parents made isn't there anymore. It's, it's the game has changed. Like the Mexicans are cooking meth instead of white boys. Um, like the price of methamphetamine at that point had fucking like crashed. It, it did like a rebound thing, but we're getting a little off topic, but yeah, the, uh, like all the good times were kind of like behind us. There wasn't that potential to make like the money that my mom and dad had made back in the fucking eighties and nineties. That shit was like, 
all the all the uh, attention from like law enforcement and the surrounding community, all that negative like limelight. You're in the limelight. Everybody's aware of who you are. The, they started talking that gang shit. That was around by that point. And, uh, and then in your 20s, this is all still going on, but... I got out at 19, and when I got out, I was like, fuck that shit. I don't want to do that. Like, it, it wasn't enticing to me. Like, I didn't want to be one of these dudes who spends their whole life in and out of prison. I was like, that, that, that ain't really my lifestyle. Like, I want to do more with my life than right. just that. Maddie didn't really have that chance because he was, you know, he's kind of, he's on that path now. But at that point in time, he had already had the, he, he was like facing consequences for shit he had already done, which is why he had to go to, to state prison. Um, I, I hadn't got caught for anything serious enough to have to go to prison for. So I, I got out at 19 and I was like, all right, I need to, and, and don't get me wrong. It ain't like I was flying straight and narrow it's all i knew from a young age to then how to make money and i didn't want to i was like struggling between want not wanting to live that life but that's the only way i knew how to get money and then when you start off in your like as a working person which in my mind was like a loser you know what i mean but it was like fuck it i don't want to do this shit forever i got to start somewhere like you you like in anything, you don't start off at the top. You're not going to get the right. money you're making selling drugs in some stupid-ass, pathetic fucking job. So it was it was weird. It was hard. It was super kind of hard. Like wake-up call. Yeah, but at that point, that was like the first time in my life I had like settled down with a woman. I was into her. She was into me. We that That's how I went into my 20s. And I was like, my mind was set on making something for myself uh, outside of like the criminal world. Like I wanted to do something more, la- I wanted to have a family, I wanted to fucking have a good job. I was smart so I could fucking do that shit. Um, so your mind is here, is your family, is there still stuff going on with your family with like yeah, the criminal Yeah, dude, life? the 20s, my, my 20s were one of the hardest periods of my time it's like of, of my life, stuck. yeah, because... I would say the same thing. It, it was... Uh, so even though I'm trying to start... And I feel like it was good. What I was doing was, like, good for the whole family. Like, they saw me, like, being like, fuck that. Like, this ain't... We're not... It, it would have been one thing if we were making crazy money. I probably wouldn't have left it. But that was on the tail end of all the good shit. Like, right. I'm like, fuck that. That's we're fighting like a losing game there. I started going on this different path and I felt like that kind of helped everybody a little bit be like, yeah, this let's let's look at another option here. But it it was a little too late. Like Maddie was still Maddie was in the state when I got a, a good job at that point. Maddie was just coming home from his state bid. Um, my mom during that time got in trouble with the feds somewhere in there i don't i don't remember exactly the timing on um i think maddie came home from the state before she got in trouble with the feds anyhow my 20s is like my my 20s is maddie still doing state time and coming home 
my mom getting busted with the feds, Maddie getting uh, a parole violation and doing a year for DUI, Maddie getting caught up on the fed time for the fucking cocaine shit. It was like my whole 20s, like I, my kids, I swear to God, like the only time when they were little that they were seeing my mom and my brother was in visiting rooms and fucking federal prisons. It so that's what I was going to ask you. In your 20s, did you have children? Yeah, yeah, I had uh, I had Fiona in 2000 and Delaney in 2003. So in 2000, I'm only 22, you know what I mean? So that was before I had finally, I, I got a decent job after Fiona was born. At that point, all I was still doing was just dumbass jobs and selling drugs. Okay, so at this point, you're literally balancing that family life you want and then also visiting still your trying to support your yeah and like yeah. okay so i i had like one foot in that lifestyle still and one foot out you know what i mean it was kind of that that's a decent way to describe it i i hadn't left it all the way but i didn't want to continue down that path right. i wanted a different way of living and it took some time it took okay. you you don't just it ain't like yeah you don't just walk away from it day one and then Ron, so your twenties, they were you didn't have that wake up call yet. So no, I, now you're past the partying. What was your wake up call? I wasn't past the partying yet. No, I mean after that. After what? After your twenties. Okay, so this is kind of when uh, I met him. Okay. When I met Jay, I met Jay in my my early thirties, and I met him. Um, I don't know if you remember, but I met you at Maddieville, at your mom's house. Do you remember? No. Yeah, I met you. I didn't even. I wasn't even aware Maddie Boy had a brother. Um, I was. I was kicking it with Maddie up at Maddieville. I was fucking damn near living there, fucking three nights a week, four nights a week. And I remember you coming by, and uh, like this, is my brother Jay or whatever, and um, I'm like, you know, what's up with what's up with him? And he's like. I couldn't believe he wasn't with us, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're like, no, he's he's like, you know, he's he's got a good job and he's got a family and stuff. And I was like, oh, okay. And then so You're I'm like, in that's weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah, it kind of was back then because that's all I knew was that life. And um, so I'm uh, I'm working as a, I got a bartending job when I was like 28. And uh, that's and the, the, this is how I start meeting these other people like like maddie boy and them I, I met them through the bar and through mutual friends and we started hanging out and um the 30s it seemed I, I i thought it was going really well but i was i'm really addicted to drugs now like i don't even know if it's partying anymore at this point it's fucking like this is what i do to fucking live now right and uh uh also, I, you know, and, and through the 20s, like through all that party and shit, I, I had a, I had a, I guess I was having a good time. But in my 20s, I, I, I'd gone broke and, and got it back more times than I can't remember. So it was, I don't know, it was weird. But so in my 30s, I'm working as a bartender. And the reason I got into bartending is because I was a fucking drug dealer. And uh, I'm tired of doing this butching thing and working for fucking Safeway, Lucky's, Andronico's, Rayleigh's, and all these other fucking shitbag companies. 
And uh, I was thinking, how could I fucking sell dope, have a good time, you know, and, and make great money? And my first thought was, I'll be a barber. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'll fucking be a bartender. The motherfuckers are already drunk. You know what I mean? This is going to be easy. And fuck, it was fucking so easy. Like, I was selling a... F I, sometimes I sold more cocaine than I did fucking drinks yeah. when I was bartending. I mean, I was making money hand over fist. And uh, fucking... What was your get clean point? My, I was at the, I was, it was just before my, uh, it was just before my 39th or 40th birthday. I think it was just before my 39th birthday. I got, I got clean. It was, uh, it was March 13th, um, 2010. I got, uh, you know, it was funny though, in my thirties, I remember I'm fucking riding up Apian Way on my Harley, and I'm thinking that I'd made it. <laughs> 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 I really did. I remember exactly where I was, and I remember the thought like, "This is it. This is it. This is fucking. This is what I set out to do, and and I'm doing it. And this is fucking awesome. I'm fucking riding my Harley up fucking." Just passing a central central market on fucking Apia Way, leaving the Capri Club, and I thought I'd fucking made it. And uh, so, but so I did a bunch of fucking drugs, so much drugs that I thought I was going fucking crazy. And I uh, I ended up in Oregon, fucking fucking beat down like a motherfucker from the dope and the alcohol. I didn't even realize that that this had happened to me, like. If you would have asked me, I was just partying, but it was mm -hmm. way beyond that. It was like this shit controlled my life. I remember I had this really good friend, and she passed, and uh, she was dying of fucking this rare fucking lung disease, which she had to have a lung transplant where they took her fucking lungs completely out of her body. I remember she got the call that there was an accident near Fresno. I believe it was Fresno. The person died, but the lungs were good. They were flying her lungs in. I believe it was from Fresno to fucking uh, San Francisco, the, the hospital. And fucking, um, but when she's going through this fucking, this horrible fucking disease, I, I, I can't even, I'm, I'm dope sick at work, and I can't even get up off the bar stools to serve drinks. And she would come and bring me her medicine just so I could fucking function. She's dying, but I'm dope sick. And she would bring me her fucking medication. Her name was Kelly Brooks. She was a fucking amazing person. She passed uh, not long after I got sober. Um, but that was, the, that was the turning point for me that I, I, I used so much that I thought that I was, uh, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't even snort the dope no more. I had to fucking smoke it or I had to fucking inhale it in my, you know, through my mouth. I was doing dope through my mouth and smoking it, however I could get it down. But I couldn't use my nose because I'd blown out my nose. Like, it, it motherfucker wouldn't even sniff no more. It smelled like raw fucking meat in my nose. It was, it was horrible. <coughs> and so I ended up getting clean and sober. I, I ended up in... Um, I ended up in uh, Medford, Oregon, before I realized that I didn't even have the radio on in my car. 
I drove for six hours in my car without the radio on, just in my head. And uh, the next day, I ended up in Portland, Oregon. And I remember uh, I tried to go in a bar, and I could see the bar people in there partying. And so fucking uh, I tried to go in the bar, and the fucking door wouldn't open. And fucking I was tripping. I was really trying to get in this fucking bar, and I couldn't get in the bar. The door wouldn't open. And it was probably something as simple as like push and pull, but my dumb fucking ass. So I fucking, I go to a Starbucks, I remember, man, I ordered a white hot chocolate and I, I called my mom and I was crying like a fucking little kid. And it was the first time that, I mean, I had been through, uh, through, uh, drug programs, a few of them, probably three or four of them by this time. And, uh, my mom said, son, have you ever thought about going to a meeting? And fucking the light bulb really went off, you know? <laughs> it really did. It was like, that easy. Yeah, like, bang. Maybe maybe that's what's wrong with me. Maybe I'm not going crazy. Maybe it's drugs and alcohol. But I had no idea because I had never tried to get off drugs. And When I was in drug programs, I would fucking plan my fucking dope just right after the meeting. I would plan it just right so by the time the next time I'm tested, I would test clean. I could use for like a day and a half, two days, and then I would have three days to fucking get this dope out of my system, which is all you need is 72 hours for you kids out there. Wow, um, great lessons. Um, and so I would time it just right to do it. But yeah, I was fucking, I was totally spent by the time I was up in Oregon. And I, I remember I'm going to my first meeting. It was in uh, Beaverton, Beaverton, Oregon. And uh, I thought these fucking people were fucking out of their minds. Um <laughs> I'm at this, this, my first meeting ever, and I couldn't tell you if it was an AA, an NA, I don't fucking know what it was. It was a meeting. And this couple, it was, they had like an intermission <laughs> in the fucking meeting. And I remember the meeting was an hour and a half, which I thought was a really long time. And uh, they had a, like a, like an intermission, like a halftime, like a, like a, <laughs> like a fucking AA or NA <laughs> halftime. <laughs> oh, and then so fucking... I'm smoking a cigarette and fucking this couple comes up to me and they're like, (laughs) they start asking me like, you know, where are you from and all this. And they invited me to their house to eat. And I said, no, what? fuck no. What are you fucking talking about? No. Like, I thought they were into some weird shit. Oh my God. Like, I didn't know that these people were trying to fucking help me and and to, to, to give back what, what they've, they they had gotten themselves, you know. Yeah. People helped them along the way, and I was I thought they were fucking some kinky fucking freaks Did you or something. Fuck no, I didn't go. I <laughs> went to Dairy Queen. It was a Dairy <coughs> Queen across the street, and um, and then I went back to my hotel room and I started feeling a little better. And so the next, I'm staying at a place uh, called Tigert, Oregon. It's just outside. It's just south of uh, Portland, and um, fucking. I get back on the road the next day, and I think I made a stop in Salem. And then I stopped. It was it started getting. It was probably must have been about four or five o'clock in the afternoon. And I pulled off the freeway in this place called Cottage Grove, Oregon. And uh, I did the same thing. I fucking I went and got some gas, and I noticed that there was a it was a a Comfort Inn or a Comfort Suites or whatever the fuck it's called. And uh, I was like, I better get a. I don't see too well. I better get a a hotel room for the night because I, you know, I, after Cottage Grove, like you're you're driving through the fucking forest again, right. and so I fucking I uh, 
I get this room and I fucking I asked. I did the same thing at, at the Tiger uh, thing. I go in there and I asked the uh, the girl who was working the desk. I'm like, hey, is there an AA or an NA meeting around here? And she's like, oh, I don't know. I'll go to your room and I'll call with some information. And I go to the room and she calls me and gives me this dude. His name was Steve. And Steve's like, I'm going to an AA meeting right now. I'll come by and pick you up. I'm like, no, no, no. Just just tell me where it's at. And he's like, no, I'm coming by to get you. He's like, these motherfucking, these AA and NA people, they're very forceful. <laughs> so no, you will be there. And so fucking he takes me to this meeting and I fucking, uh, I end up staying, I end up staying fucking two or three weeks in this fucking motel room in Cottage Grove, Oregon. And I had no idea what detoxing was. Yeah, that's the ghost story you've told us before, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So fucking, I'm in this fucking room and I'm fucking hallucinating that there's a fucking ghost on my, f first I feel it sit on the bed, then I feel it on my chest and I can't get up, <laughs> I can't move, I'm fucking paralyzed. And uh, I, I remember thinking, when this motherfucking thing gets off my chest, I'm fucking, I'm out of here, I'm running the fuck out of here. So fucking, it wouldn't seem like forever this thing was on me and I was scared to death. I fucking bust out of the fucking room and I fucking run out. I'm running through the fucking motel parking lot. A pouring fucking rain. It's like 2, 3 in the fucking morning. I'm just in my boxers and I remember there's this fucking bum or some shit and he's walking. He's pushing a basket like a whatever, a shopping basket. It looked like he was collecting cans or something. And he gave me the oddest fucking look. He was judging you. Yeah, he was judging me, this motherfucker. And, and <laughs> well, I should, that is weird. I should be judging you, you cocksucker. <laughs> but and that's when I realized how fucking out of my fucking tree I was. Yeah. And I fucking go back in the room and I fucking somehow finally get to sleep. And this this is keep this keeps happening. Not not the ghost thing, but I'm I'm detoxing and I I'm 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 eating fucking shitloads of candy, which I had no idea why I'm eating this fucking candy because I never wanted candy before. But it was all, you know, my body was needing dope and alcohol. Yeah. So I ended up staying in that town, made some friends up there, and that's still a that's still a place that I fucking go every few years to to that's kick awesome. back with those people, Darren Lopez and the the Neely family, man. And right on, you guys fucking helped save my life. That's and I tell awesome. them that I I tell them that all the time. If it wasn't for you guys, I don't know where I'd be. Yeah. Jay, were your thirties more normal? <laughs> Like compared uh, to the rest of your growing up. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like the immediate family kinda had started like like all that crazy shit had started to die down, like all the consequences of all that shit. Maddie coming home. Well, you know, my mom ended up she she got diagnosed with cancer in the feds. So when she came home, it, it, they basically gave her a life sentence, even though she came home on like some type of a compassionate release thing. Which amazed me. Yeah, she she lived longer than I expected her to um, when when they released her because she had when when they diagnosed her, she was already stage four. Like it was, uh, you know, it, it was basically just a timing thing for her. There was no chance of recovery or anything like that. But sh even so, she lived for a, a long time. How long? 
well, more time than, you know, because I think the original, what do they call that? Like a prognosis or some, whatever, where they say, hey, you might live to, for six months to a year or some. I think she ended up living for maybe like two years or some. And she came home to live with us, so the girls had some time. It, it was, you know, it was kind of like bittersweet. The girls had time to to live with their grandma and and you know spend that time with her but it was also tough because she was dealing with right. chemo and radiation and all that type shit um so yeah it, it was still rough i think but but um y you know it, we we had gotten away from that same stupid the the dumb lifestyle that was going nowhere Maddie, Maddie came home from the feds and was like, fuck that, you know, he, he's been doing good ever since, and he's got his family going now, and doesn't fuck around anymore with all the dumb shit, so. So in the 30s, you guys both got your guys' shit together. I, I got mine together in the 20s. I got mine together before Ron, I think, but I still had one foot in there. I think when Ron was done with it, Ron was done with it. My, I was still kind of toting the line for right. a long time. And I think it was because that that's everything I came from and my family and everything, you know, to where Ron Ron's family wasn't really like that. So when, when Ron was done with it, it was more clear-cut he's done with it to where even though I was done with it personally it wasn't it wasn't just like done. I walked away from it and right. I, and I go back to this normal family like that's I I really did I was I, w I was walking this kind of like fine line and and like I said it ain't like I was I came home from jail and was fucking done with it. Right. it. It still took some time. And even when I shouldn't have been doing shit because I had already started down this path and found good things happening, I was still doing it. I remember kind of having an, uh, like a, the thought, I, I can't say like the specific time, like I was driving here at this time, but I remember at some point thinking, why am I still doing this shit? Right. You know, why am I taking these chances? Like, like I don't need this anymore. <laughs> what the right. fuck am I even doing anymore? Like I, I got a job now, like a family, like For sure. it's, it's, I gotta, I gotta step away from this shit. And then jumping to where you guys are now, which I think most of our viewers know because they hear us all the time. But Ron, you're married. You're you have three kids. Both your boys live with you at home. Your daughter's married and has kids of her own. Yeah. Jay, you live in this fucking beautiful house, I love <laughs> right it. on the I water with it, your man. two girls. <coughs> but you know, like like I got sober. I believe I was 39. I was fucking a wreck. For years after, like putting my life back together, like that was that was some hard shit. Right, you know, it like, like you're sober and everything. Yeah, my early forties to. Yeah, I don't want to downplay that. Like you just made a decision and it was easy or something. Yeah, I mean, fucking, it was funny. Like my house was raided twice in sobriety, from you know. Yeah. What they were they were. You they were still dealing with the residual shit. Yes, and I, was I, I don't think people understand that. Bro. I was when cleaning up the mess. Yeah, you know exactly. And, and it and it took years. When I, when I met my wife, I barely came out of the fucking house. Like I, I parties, no. Only only way that I would go to a fucking party, I'd ask or they'd say, 
Jay's gonna be there. And boom, <laughs> now, now I gotta go because I gotta get this motherfucker. Right. I gotta Hell talk yeah. shit to this dude. Like Hell I'm gonna find yeah. this motherfucker. But if Jay ain't going, I, I ain't I ain't got no reason to go because. Oh yeah. I didn't yeah. like people. I didn't want to be around motherfuckers. And if I did, it was for a very short period. Even even the other night at Maddie Boy's, fucking, I'm there for maybe what two hours? Was yeah. I there? I'm fucking gone, man. I gotta get the fuck out of there. Yeah. And I had a blast, but I gotta go. Um, but yeah, it, it took it took a long time to to just get my fucking head straight. Like I my my brain was fucking floating. Yeah. And uh, when you go down that path, man, the longer you go down it, the harder it is. You know what? To you get out of it. You know what? My mind was telling me that I was going to be one of those fucking Berkeley weirdos on the street talking to himself. You may have been on that path, bro. bro. That's what my mind kept telling me, man. And then next thing you know, man, like early on in sobriety, I'm I'm such a fucking like <laughs> I didn't give a fuck who saw me fucked up, but I was embarrassed <laughs> to be sober. sober. Yeah, it's yeah. So, uh, That's it's how I felt about employment, bro. Fucking weird shit, bro. When you're doing when you're doing the right thing, you feel. I felt like almost like a sucker. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so fucking, so now I'm in Berkeley and I'm going to these meetings, but I'm flipping out on people. Like still, like I'm thinking people are looking at me. <laughs> Bro, do you, do you remember the movie A Bronx Tale? Yeah. When you remember the working man's a sucker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bro, that shit was hard for me, man. Yeah. Like so I felt. And I feel like this isn't talked about enough. It's not. It, no. I don't think people realize. Like I don't think, think some like that you some get sober and it's a great life. I, you know I felt I mean? like no. such a pussy. I felt shame for doing the right thing, for for getting sober. And I remember jamming people up in meetings for for looking at me. I fucking I was in this one meeting in Berkeley, and this dude's looking at me, and fucking I'm in my head. I'm fucking this dude up. I, my car was parked around the corner. There was a light rain going. I had it planned. I'm going to fucking get out of this meeting. I'm cracking this motherfucker. My car's far enough away that they ain't going to get my license plate number. I had it all mapped out. So fucking after the meeting, I'm looking for this motherfucker. I'm looking for him. He's in the front yard picking up cigarette butts, talking to himself. And, and right then I knew. Like, you're fucked up, bro. You're a fucking idiot. You're fucking, what the fuck's wrong with you? This fucking, fucking basket case of a dude is fucking, he's crazy. What the fuck's that make you? Right. You know what I mean? Because I'm, I'm ready to crack this motherfucker one. Do you think your guys' surroundings made it hard for you too? Like, do you think, like, there were those people that, like, wanted to almost encourage you to keep partying? Yes. Like, encourage you to stay Definitely. on that track? But there was also um, a few people, not a lot a few people that encouraged my sobriety and I'm thankful for that. And I still got people. Jay encourages my sobriety. You encourage my sobriety. Uh, a, a lot of people in my circle now, but when I first got sober, I lost, well, I thought I lost friends because of it. And I, and I did lose some, but I guess they weren't my fucking real friends because even girls, like when I got sober, fucking girls, man, you know, they, they was used to this wild motherfucker or whatever. And then, you know, like I'd, I'd see him somewhere and they'd be like, oh, what's up? We need to go out or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Man, it was like I fucking told him I'm clean and sober. And it's almost like I had a fucking booger in my nose. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have been better off telling him you had AIDS or something. Right, man. Like these motherfucking bitches. Like, and I was like, oh, my God. Like, you know what I mean? I, I'm I'm not what they want. You know what I mean? Like this is they want that fucking wild 
Fuck yeah, yeah. yeah, I felt like that, man. Yeah, they, they didn't want. I felt to do like uh, when I was working, there there was like a point in time too to where I felt like, like I I don't know, man. Like I wasn't as cool as the motherfucker, and I've never really struggled with shit like that. You know what I mean? But I was like, damn, man. Like I'm out here just kind of doing this dorky, simple life shit. Well, it didn't help the way you were dressing. Yeah, like a pimp. <laughs> no, you dress like a fucking. I was trying to go all the way with it. Motherfucker, you dress like a substitute woodshop teacher. Okay, my last questions for you guys are what is something you're looking forward to this year? Before this year ends? Mm hmm. I'm looking forward to our trip to Pittsburgh, our annual. Uh, oh, fuck yeah. I'm looking forward to our annual. We go away, the fellas, we go away for a. a I give a fuck about the 49ers, but every year we go to a. It's usually the first what away game on the schedule. It's a Niner game, an away Niner game. Yeah, and too. this year it's in Pittsburgh, and that's where we'll be partying in Pittsburgh. When I say partying, I'll be hitting the gym in the morning, eating their food, and. You know what's funny, bro? When I, cause I just got back from Nashville. Shout out to Nolan for winning. Uh, Fucking Nashville. You, you were in Cashville, Tennessee. Yes, I was, man. But I was out there in, uh, you know, I'm down there on Broadway at Aldine's yeah. and, and Kid Rocks. And, and dude, I'm all I'm thinking about is this, our Niner squad that goes to these away games. And, and the Tennessee Titans football team, like when you're on Broadway. It's right around the corner. It's right there, dude. Yeah. Like it is a, a nothing separates Broadway party area and the stadium besides a river. The, that, the Columbine, no, this is the, the Columbine River. That's what it is. Is that what it? I don't even know. There's a river, the Columbine, and it ain't a huge river. Like you have a little body of water separating downtown party area from the stadium, and I'm just thinking, dude, I wish my crew was out here. The, I wish I had the whole Niner crew out here with me right now for this. One day we'll make it to Nashville for a night. Oh, we're going. Yeah. I'm Nashville's be... Nashville's a great city. I know. My dad was just talking to me about your guys' thing, and I was like, what like started this? And he was like, well, I wanted to go to every Niner or every stadium that there is and he was like so we started going and going and then he said more people started adding on i was like how big is your eyes group now and he was like oh it's fucking huge so i remember um i was brand new sober so that must have been 2011 maybe and uh your dad called me to go to a niner cowboy game because i'm a cowboy fan and uh it was the it was at the new stadium and it was that game where the they had that red out and you guys yes. fucking totally fucking Absolutely, kicked our fucking bro. ass. But I remember telling him, oh, I don't know. I, don't. I, I, I probably made up some fucking excuse. Mm -hmm. But I was scared. I was scared to be out in public. I was scared to fucking... I remember exactly where I was when I talked to him on the phone. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember uh, just being like, fuck. I up. went to that one, too, you bro. Went to I wish, yeah, I wish you would have went. No, nah, man, I was out of my mind, Jay. Yeah. I was out of my mind. I was scared of my own shadow. I was fucking, I w my head was still a mess, and I and it sounded so good, like, oh, I wish I could be at this fucking Cowboys game with them. And then I sat there and I watched the game, and I thought the pictures I seen on TV were I, shopped. I thought they were doctored. Like, there's no way that Cowboy Stadium has that much red in it, and you guys kicked our fucking ass. It was badass. And then I was like, yep, I'm glad I didn't go. <laughs> but that's and dope, that now you get to experience that with them every year. Yeah, every that year. That Cowboy Stadium is, that's probably next to L.A.'s new stadium. The Cowboy Stadium is one of my one of my favorite I've been to. That, that shit, they built it to where 
and that one's huge, right? Like I want to say that does like eighty or ninety thou. I don't know if they sell it out like that, but I think it can accommodate that many people. And when and what's crazy is when you go to these other smaller, like if you go to an A's game or uh, like a Warriors or a Giants game or something, like there it's way less people than that. And and the or even a Niner game at their new at Levi, when you go there, you're crowded. And it's not nearly as many people as Dallas's new stadium holds. But when you're in Dallas, it doesn't even feel like you're shoulder to shoulder. Like it, they made it so expansive and huge. Like you're just well, I mean, it's did, just did open. You, did you dr ever drive through the city of Dallas? I have, but that was back when, like, uh, when I was going to visit my mom. She was outside of Dallas. Bro, it'll take you more than an hour to drive through the fucking city. Yeah, I remember the first time I went to Dallas, I was looking for, I forgot my belt and I was looking for anything like a Walmart or whatever to fucking buy a belt and fucking, <laughs> it took me 45 fucking minutes to fucking drive to Walmart from my hotel. They made the stadium like that too. That shit is. So would that, is that your also like thing you're looking forward to this year? Or do you have a different one? Uh, what am I looking forward to? I, I am looking forward to that. I can't wait for that. I'm also looking forward to, not this week, but next weekend, camping in Fort Bragg. And I'm also looking forward to your birthday party this year, Jay. Well, I don't know what we're doing, but. We're going to do something fun, man. Maybe Tahoe again. Invite all the listeners. We got to switch it up. We gotta Wh where do you want to go? I, I, I just say Tahoe because everything's right there. The casinos. It gives people shit to do. We go hiking. Yeah. That shit's fun. He said, Jay, we're going to fucking Tahoe yeah, for your birthday. Yeah. <laughs> Tahoe's great. So I don't know what I'm looking forward to, man. I got my Irish citizenship, and I was wanting to roll out to Europe somewhere and, and do that whole thing, but I don't know. Like, I don't have any immediate plans for that. So I, I am, the, the Niner shit's coming up soon. That ain't too far off. That's like probably a month and a half away or so. I know you guys are both looking forward to where we take Burbeck and Garrettson within this next year. Yeah. Fuck Dude, yeah. I am. Like, I want, I'm ready. I'm like eager to do something just crazy. I want like a whistleblower to come on the show and like expose like a government program. Yeah. Like somebody that's been <laughs> abducted by aliens. I just want a blower to okay. come on the show. My second to last question is, what are some self-care things you do now that you, your early self would have never done? Mm, self-care, well, I've always been in and out of the gym for most of my life, um, but, but definitely now it's um, definitely uh, the gym every day except for weekends. Um, self-care, what else do I do? I try to eat right, but that doesn't always work out. You do pretty good. Yeah. And then uh, fasting and all that. And then uh, fucking uh, I look at this this uh, hanging out with you guys, uh, family. That's to me that's self care. You know, just being around people that generally care about me, and uh, it keeps my mind right. Like I don't know, like you know, I just lost my dog yesterday morning, and uh. <sighs> It's fucking, it's it's really tough, and, like, Nanny comes over, and I've been getting calls and texts, that, you know, from the from the crew and the family, you know, with the support. And so, like, just being around you guys in this podcast, it it helps my mind. It, you know, it's good for my brain to, to do that, because if not, I'd fucking probably go fucking nuts. And I didn't want to bug Ron, so I tried to, like, sneak up and leave his favorite coffee on his porch, and I, the kids are in the backseat, Gage is, like, in just his boxers. I pull up, 
and I'm, I'm like driving and I, I see him outside and I'm like, fuck, but he already sees my car and I'm like, well, god damn, I gotta get out yeah. now. So I get out and I'm like, you weren't supposed to be here, but here's your coffee. And then I just take off because I didn't want to bug him or like make him talk about it, but I, I just wanted to like give him something. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been rough, man, but I appreciate all that. She's Then she came back later and hung out all day with me and that's took, good. That's took dope. me to buy lottery tickets and I don't know we what took else. We Smokey for a ride. Made a fucking <laughs> order with Club Dirty. So we got, we got more t-shirts coming. I mean, we got a bunch now, but I just freshened up the... But that's a good self-care. I, that's not something I would have thought about, but that is like... Yeah, it keeps my mind, right? Yeah. Jay, self-care? I, I just, I think I learned, I, I think I already mentioned it before. Um, when you're not feeling good mentally and shit, man, you, you got to do the opposite of everything your body's telling you to do. And and I, I didn't put that together when I was younger. Um, and, and it's hard to do. It ain't by any means. It's not like I got this shit mastered, but I'm aware of it, so it helps. Um, all, all the things your body's and your mind, all the things your mind's going to tell you to do if you're mentally not in a good spot, which is like isolate, um be you you tend to be inactive like you're you're not you don't want to go do anything you don't want to socialize you you have to do the opposite of all those things as hard as it may be you, you're not going to have the energy to work out but you need to work out you're, you're not going to want to socialize but socializing is important as fuck for human beings as a even if you're not uh, even if you're mentally doing okay like a lot of mentally healthy people have good social circles so right maddie it, it, boy just hit me and told me you know sorry to hear about the dog man and yeah see that, that that means something to me man like you know people just that's that's why i surround myself with these people because fucking they genuinely care you know like 10 years no i would say like 15 years ago if your fucking dog died i'd probably tell you right. get the fuck over it but this dog, Mackie Boy, was my sobriety dog. Danielle gave it to me in my first six months of sobriety. And wow, so this, I didn't even know that. Well, not this one. This She gave me a dog, a, a Doberman also. Yeah. And uh, he ended up passing. But but then Jeff, Jeffro bought me Mackie Boy. And, and that's kind of like, I'm not going to say it's my last link because his son is my godson. But this was like... Uh, Mackie boy, this dog was a gift from Jeffro. Yeah. And it it and that is this, that just adds to it, you know. For sure. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no, you kind of uh, elaborated on my point, man. Like good social circles, man. Uh, just it's crazy. I don't know why where that hit me at what time. It was definitely uh, when I went through the. Uh, when I was going through like a separation and the divorce and then my buddy AJ dealing with cancer, Mike Miller dying, the 2020 shit that was hard for everybody. Like all those things were hitting me at once. But I still at that point had that awareness that I remember going with Tommy places, man. Tommy would just be going to do shit for like motorcycle parts that I didn't want to go do. But I was like, I'm not sitting in this fucking house. Right. You know, I'm not going to sit in this house 
and just stew on shit. And be in my own head, yeah. Yeah, just yeah, that get, you're your own worst enemy, man. Go fucking outside, get sunlight, like all those things. You know, and, and I never really thought about that. And it, to me, that was more fucking spiritualist bullshit. No, like, dude. You need sun. You fucking need sun, bro. You need dude, what's that I, vitamin B? D. D. Yeah. You need that shit, bro. Hundred percent. You gotta bro. feel that sun on you, man. It's it's crazy, but I'm I'm glad that that shit hit me somewhere, and I'm glad like I think I've shared that with my kids, and I think that's like got into them, man. Just get active, socialize, and a lot of those problems will go away. Active, and socialize. Yeah, I I think you know that son. I I think it's good for the brain, bro. I mean, it Absolutely. feels good, but I think it's good for your fucking brain. Dude, I get terrible in the wintertime. Oh, I'm not going to lie to you, you, dude. You see how I am in the wintertime, Jay. My body fucking all gnarled up and... All fussing I, and I'm fu it. Dogs always bothering with it. And, but yeah, I, I couldn't wait for summer. I mean, it's been hot as fuck, but I, I'm still enjoying it because it, it, it loosens up my body without the sun, man. My body gets real tight from all these fucked up injuries. And Dude, shit. And uh, tonight was badass. Or, or like uh, the evening. I, I, uh, I left work. I went and hit the gym. We are gonna do the podcast, but I went out on my balcony. I'm just, I'm having a drink. The fuck, I'm right on the water, so I'm just watching the water, dude. And I'm not doing anything, but just chilling at the house, and it was just. Relaxing. It was amazing, man. That's all I'm doing. I was just chilling outside on the balcony having a drink. I got my workout in, so I felt like I had done something, yeah. you right. know? Well, I love growth, and I love self-care and stuff. My last question for you guys is, what is something you're confident about yourself now that you were insecure about before? Oh, confident now and insecure about... Oh. That's a tough one, man. That is a tough one, but I would think... For me, it's just um, my general outlook on like I was a and I and I'm probably still guilty of it. You guys know me. You guys call me grumpy and all this shit. But my outlook on life and um and things are a lot better than they were, say you know, 14 years ago. Um, the way I look at things, like you guys know that I've, I've experienced a lot of loss in this last two years. Yeah. And there's no way that I could have done this sober 14 years ago. I mean, I would have been getting fucked up. There's no way that I could have done this without all of you guys with my support system, especially mom and, and what I went through yesterday. Um, but it, 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 it's just, it, it's fucking horrible shit, man. And, and I know, that fucking, I know what a drink would do for me, you know, but I also, I really know what a drink would do to me. It would right. fucking set me off on some other bullshit, but just um, my mind, my mind is better these days. Yeah, that's good. Than it was, because my first thought isn't to pick up a drink now. Nice. You know? That's awesome. I don't know. Something you're confident about that you used to be insecure about? Yeah, I'm not sure, man. I don't know what... Is it your little pecker? <laughs> I feel so much better about that now. Good. You it's should. penetrated so much. <laughs> <laughs> it's been through so much, man. You beat that thing up. I was beating it up so much when I was younger, and now I'm just a little bit more empathetic to the dude, you know? I don't give him such a hard time. 
<laughs> I don't know. I don't know really what what stands out. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I, yeah, I would say it's my state of mind, like you know where where I'm at mentally. And, and and still, it's not great because I, I I go to dark places. But my first thought now anymore isn't to p- to pick up drugs and alcohol. So I feel good about that. That's that's something that I never thought I'd live without. Um, I felt like there was like an ebb and flow to shit. Like sometimes I'm happier that I'm not like aggressive or like as angry as I would get about shit when I was younger. But then sometimes I miss it a little bit. Sometimes I think it would would be good to do that shit sometimes, but I yeah, I don't know, man. I don't I feel like from hearing your guys' stories and cuz obviously I didn't know you guys back what I mean like I've known you my whole life, but like hearing your guys' stories, I would say what my outlook on your guys' confidence from then and now, I think Jay, I'd probably go off of kind of what Ron said and say like your mindset on things and I feel like your story just now, you kind of were like, you felt goofy fucking doing the right thing and like you didn't really know like what world to be in and I feel like now your confidence and like you are, you did do the right thing, you are doing the right thing and the life you're living is enjoyable and just yeah, He lives a great life, man. Fucking. And Ron, I would say yours is your parenting. Like just from you telling me of like stories about, or even on this podcast, you talking about you having a child at fucking 16 and then you having Quentin super young and then now you have both of your boys at home and yeah that's uh you all, like that you're you're always confident in your fathering skills and but I'm not though you know I'm not I, I I question myself like I snapped on uh my my oldest son for nothing because I was sad and I don't know about you Jay but my sadness turns to anger and it's the way I, I deal with things. And uh, I snapped on my boy. And so today I was feeling bad about it. So I text him. I'm like, hey, man, I'm sorry, bro. Like, I, I, I hope you accept my apology. I, I was out of line. I fucking snapped on you for no fucking reason. I said, and then I told him my sadness t- turns to anger. And you, you've seen it a lot. Your I life. feel like that right there, what you just said, is like <laughs> some growth, though, right? Because right. you wouldn't apologize. You wouldn't have did that shit 10 years ago. nothing. Yeah, right. yeah. So that's the difference right there. Yeah, and I feel like that that change. I remember, uh, man, it was weird. It's a weird example, but we had gotten to like a group fight, like uh, probably like five years ago ish, maybe four or something. And uh, some dudes got like mopped up, but I remember feeling like a little bad about the situation to where like when I was younger, there would have been nothing like that you know and yeah, high fives and fuck yeah up. right so it was just like a different entering to like a different stage of my life to where it's like i'm settled down with that shit now and i don't know but but i i i still i still question my parenting you know i i, I do like i but i feel like that's a that's like a common thing that I feel like a lot of parents will say, like, am I doing the right thing? Am I not doing the right thing? But yeah, I feel like your parenting yeah. versus like, okay, now you're questioning, am I doing the right thing or am I doing the wrong thing? Where like back then you're like, you weren't even questioning it. Like, I wasn't even a parent. You know what I, like, <laughs> <laughs> that's fucked up. But like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that just shows the change because now you do sit and think like, 
Yeah. Okay. Like you overthink it. You know yeah, what I mean? Like That's some, what a parent is. Like sometimes I'll get on one of my boys and, and, and one of my friends will say something to me and, you know, not like critiquing my parenting, but they'll say something and, and then I'll be like, motherfucker, I could have handled this fucking different. Yeah. You know, so I'm fucking learning as I go, man. And yeah, I, that's kind of cool. And I, cool. and I, and I tell my, especially I tell my youngest one, I'll tell him sometimes like, I, I you know, little man, I, I don't know what I'm doing. You know, I, I, I hope I'm doing the right thing. And this is all I know. And so, and I apologize to him all the time of like, look, I'm sorry that I, I'm like this, but this is the only way I know right now. And he's like, I love you, dad, you know, always, you know, mm -hmm. so it's a great thing. Anything you guys want to say and leave off to our listeners? I'm hoping that a lot of them could listen to your guys' stories and connect to you guys and get to know you yeah. guys a little bit. It felt better. weird, man. I felt like when I talk about uh, my my history, man, I it's hard for me to talk about it. And the, the craziest thing about it is I know that my story is, is fascinating. I know it's... Uh, like I know people would be interested in that that story and how crazy all the shit I came from, but I struggled talking about it because growing up it was just you, you had to be secretive about it. You couldn't talk to people about the shit. And it was just part of the lifestyle. And yeah, and and you know, and I was thinking about this while we're saying this stuff and we we still didn't spill the tea completely. Right. We went over the 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 gist of it. Yeah, like we were touching was, the fringes. There was shit. yeah. There's things that we're not talking about, and that's that's not for everybody. I don't think. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's that's the gist. I I think because uh, Jay was. I'm listening to Jay talk, and I'm like, eh, it's a little yeah. bit more than that, pal. <laughs> yeah. But uh. But I do think um my goal for this. And me and Ron were talking about it earlier is we do want to get more personal on this podcast with certain things and just be able to open up to you guys and, and go outside um, me and Jay's comfort zone a little yeah. bit more than than we do. Like we do talk a lot of shit back and forth to each other, but there's also other stuff, too, you know, that that we discuss. Like I'm a fucking little crybaby and when <laughs> my fucking yesterday I called Jay and I'm. Jay probably thinks I'm the biggest pussy in the world because nah, I've always I always cried to him. You know what I mean? Like before that, it was I was I had a dream about my mom and I call him and I'm fucking crying. I call him about my dog and I'm fucking crying. I call him about Chava, Jeff, everybody. I'm fucking crying. <laughs> I Constantly. don't think about it like that, though, man. <laughs> That's why I tell you because yeah. if you thought I was a pussy, I wouldn't tell you. Yeah. No, I think it it's a uh, fuck, man. I'm on the other end, sitting there feeling like I'm like a good person to, like, would like I need to be doing more to like support you in this shit. I it doesn't cross my mind like that you're fucking soft or something. <laughs> yeah. So sometimes I feel like a fucking puss for telling them these things, but and I cry, man. Like, and that was this is something new for me too. Like. In my 20s and 30s, I didn't fucking cry. Even in my 40s, I didn't fucking cry. But now it's like fucking I'm an emotional fucking wreck now and shit. Just a lot of shit, man. Yeah, a lot of shit, a lot of death happened. So we want to start opening up to you guys. And if you guys have I questions I don't for know. us. I don't know how much more opening up I could do. No, but I mean just, just, just like about things that go on and are like from now yeah, on. Okay, you know cool. what I mean? Not like more opening up about the past. We just. I know. I struggle with the past shit. But I mean, like yeah. just from now on out, like we just want to share more of our every, not our everyday, but like what's going on. And yeah, that's cool. 
I'm down with that. Yeah, I can I can do that. We also want some more guests. So if you guys know people. Dude, that's people? my thing I'm on. Like, give us some somebody that got a juicy story or, like, something controversial or I really want that one thing that's just, like, motherfuckers shouldn't be talking about, but they're willing to come forward and talk about something. Yeah. Like, I'm ready to, like, a Catholic church scandal or, like... <laughs> Fucking man, that's a trip that you mentioned that. I'll talk to you about it later. <laughs> not, not, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I really want, I want something just like something that somebody wants to get off their chest that could be like, uh, you know, could just blow it open for a lot of people, like really just have people kind of fucking blown away by this story. Somebody, everybody got a story, bro. Yeah, that's everybody a fact. got a story, and some there are some people on within our network or just they know somebody that got a great story to tell about something wild bro and i want to i want to tap into that you know what's a trip about like you know these these um the program aana it'll be some fucking dorky looking fucking lame nerd fucking getting up there and you're like this motherfucker ain't Ain't got shit to say motherfucker gets up there and he tells your story yeah. Like this motherfucker, your, your stories are so fucking similar that fucking, and you just, you're enthralled by this fucking dude, you know? So yeah, everybody has a fucking story, man. And I love it too. Yeah. Man. So do I, man. Fucking. Well, we're going to get it, man. We're going to get, uh, and ideas and give us, you know what? I like crit- like criticism. Tell us what we could do to do better. And like, yeah, I'm curious to see what people think about this one because it's hard for me to talk about the past, man. I, I don't and, and and dance around. Yeah, key, dance key around. Of yeah, it. like because it it's just you you know I, I don't know, bro. In a sense, I almost feel like I'm like snitching when I tell <laughs> on shit or something, yeah. bro. And yeah. it's it's uh, I don't want to talk bad about my parents and yeah, and I feel like I'm kind of betraying, especially my father by by saying. You know, uh, he was rough or something. Yeah, and, and you know, the alcohol. Man, if I called my dad an alcoholic to his face, that motherfucker would lay me out. You know I mean, yeah. you, don't, you don't disrespect him like that, you know, because he had a couple of beers, <laughs> came home and whooped the family. <laughs> <laughs> Hell, boy. We're all cracking up about it. <laughs> Hell, boy. Hell, boy, you had that coming. <laughs> I'm a dilla dick. <laughs> All right, are we doing shout outs? We're doing shout outs. Mackie Boy, Java, Jeffro. That's it for me. I got, uh, so I, I mentioned it. I went out to Nashville. I went out to Nashville uh, to go see my nephew race, man. The dude's a fucking beast at motocross, man. So we went out to Loretta Lynn, which is. It's pretty prestigious in the. The, it, the motocross world, right? It is, bro, for amateurs, right? It's the pinnacle of amateur racing. Like, before you go pro, this is, from what I've gathered about it, it's the, and it's it's national, right? So it's all the best from all over the United States. They all, you have to qualify to get there um, over, like, the course of a year. I don't know how much it takes to, to be able to qualify to get in there, but it's, it's not easy to just get there. And then you get there, you're with the best of everybody who's been working to get there. And then my nephew went there and got first in the stock shit, 85s, um, 
and then I forget it. I, I don't know what ended up happening with the mod. It, it was fourth or sixth. Maybe. E- either way, the stock shit, he came out first at Loretta Lynn's, which is huge. I'm proud of this kid, man. He's Number badass. Number one in the nation. I, I can't wait to see what else he has in store, man. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be badass, man. Much love. I'm proud of you. Love right on. Shout out. We named a couple people tonight. So everyone we talked about tonight. Shout out Mike Miller, fucking AJ. <laughs> yeah, much love. Those are my the, uh, right the Neely family. Darren Lopez. All right. Right on. Oh,